right, fellas, coming back from break. Uh, just it was kind of nice to just get up from the microphone sometimes. But we started talking about UFC just before we went to break, and you were bringing up that you really wanted to dig into this John Jones oh, yeah. controversy. So for those of you who don't know who John Jones is, we're gonna give you a little background. So John Jones has never fought in the heavyweight division ever, ever, and he's usually when he shows up to fight, he's usually in that two twenty five below. Right, or he's, he said, he's got a weigh in at two hundred five. Is that what it is said, for light uh, heavyweight? Yeah, uh, for light heavyweights, it's two hundred five. Like what? Well, usually one eighty five to two hundred five. Usually right. they try to be around two hundred or two hundred five. I think he's almost always weighed in right at two hundred five. Two hundred four, two hundred five for him. But he says he walks around at two thirty, which I can believe. Yeah, because he's six four. Yeah. Now he's genetically blessed. Okay. Just like me. Period. Um, <laughs> No, he no laughs. A, Come on, folks. He has Come a, on. <laughs> he has an 84 and a half inch reach. Yeah. Which, for a six four guy. That that's amazing. To, to give you an idea of what John Jones has done with the light heavyweight division, though, there's he's essentially dominated. yeah, he's essentially dominated it, but he's a super controversial figure. <laughs> you know, uh, and the reason is <gasps> steroids. He, here's the thing, as somebody who's an avid Weightlifter. Has he been caught once with steroids? Yeah, Tyrannoball. Uh-huh. Okay, now here's, what, here's how good steroids is. Are. Years ago, well, is, well, well now you're the word police. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's English major over here. I'm a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. So. What do you think we got steroids? Marion Jones had a neck bigger than any guy here. Well, maybe not you. Yeah, I got a pretty thick neck. <laughs> so, but she was, but it was close. Mm-hmm. And she's a girl. Now, she is outrunning people. This is around the late 2000s. No, no, late uh, 90s, early 2000s when she competed. Olympics? Olympics. Yeah. She's in 100 yards. She's beating these women, the world-class women, for over 10 yards. She's smoking them. When she got up, when it was discovered, hey, she's on juice, they discovered she's on steroids and everything else. She, and when she got clean, she couldn't even make the U.S. team. Yeah, well, that's how big it, of a difference it is. Well, a lot of people think that it just gives you strength. No, it doesn't. It actually has very little to do with your ability to have strength. It has to do with two things. Number one, it helps with your energy sources. It allows you to, to dispatch more energy more quickly because you have hormone levels that are higher than most other people. But secondly, it's your recovery. It's your ability to be able to tear muscle down and rebuild it faster. And that recovery time helps you build muscle quicker and faster than other people can. Therefore, you can push your training deeper than almost anybody else can. So like in fighting, one of the big things is, is just energy conservation throughout the five rounds of a championship match. So being able to get through an entire championship match when you're on steroids is like way easier than not. And I'm not saying John Jones isn't talented. This has kind of been the argument the whole time. It's like even if he was on microdose, even if he was on like therapeutic testosterone, it still it's has still an, an advantage. Exactly. And here's the problem I have with this. You're telling me a guy that's 230 pounds is cutting weight to 205 and he's pulling what I'm doing. And by Which pulling, you're talking about deadlift. Exactly. Okay. Over I just, 500 I want you to be pounds. specific for people. <laughs> uh, okay. You're pulling over 500 pounds and you're losing weight. Yeah. No, there's there's no way. Yeah. And here's the disappointing thing. He is a fantastic athlete, but you know what? Show some heart, show some gut, and do it the right way. Don't cheat. Because and if if somebody else is cheating, well, then they should be punished. But the I, I think there's another argument to make, even even in the sense that like let's let's move past his being caught with, and it's questionable too. A lot of people want to argue that he's got 
he had an excuse the first time. He got caught a second time with banned substances that weren't specifically testosterone, but they were performance enhancing. And every, you know, everyone understands that in the industry, the drugs that he was caught with basically are like the like helping him get away with the fact that he's been using tests. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what people fail to realize is like like this goes into kind of like the transgenders and sports conversation as well. When you've got testosterone on board, it creates a long term benefit not just a short-term benefit especially if you have that testosterone during your developmental years but if you're getting testosterone therapy call what you want you know shooting you know d-ball or whatever if you if you've got that you're creating a basis of performance that you can always kind of dig back into right so even if you get off of it completely you lose some of the benefits of it but you've still created that baseline of like hey i'm i'm better than i would have been had i never taken it so i think that's why a lot of people have an issue with like okay that's fine that john jones now tests clean and you know usada has been in usada is, is that the name of the organization United, yeah i don't know united states uh drug something yeah okay but yeah they're the ones that are testing always called a usada yeah (laughs) but uh but they're they're really good at testing they're really they're getting more refined they're being able to detect smaller and smaller traces and so they're able to to pick up on things way faster plus they're they're sourcing out a lot of stuff especially in the ufc what they've kind of moved to is saying okay we're going to give you a list of approved substances that you can take because we've tested these you know protein mixes we've tested these vitamin supplements and we know that it's not going to cause you issues and and he or was giving you a performance edge. Right. And so they, they're basically, you know, trying to help these fighters say, here's what you can do and not break the rules. And and John Jones still got popped a second time. So the I, I think everybody's issue is okay, you haven't fought for several years now. Seventeen months. It would is it I thought it was longer than that since his last pro fight. Um he who did he beat? Cormier. Dana Cormier. Uh, well or no. Alexander Gustafsson, I think, was the last guy. No, he beat Reyes, and then he said, I'm done. And and that was a controversial fight. You know why? Everybody thought Reyes won that fight. And Reyes is definitely one of them fighters, and he'll, he's definitely going to bring the pain. Yeah, Dominic Reyes back in UFC 247 and February did, last year. Yeah, 17 months. So here's the problem. The problem you have is that you have a John Jones who's demanding – or show me the money fight. Here's the problem I have with that. Um, well, what, what show was his me the demand? wins because he wanted not less. If I'm correct, he basically wanted million. Well, but he wanted to be guaranteed thirty mil overall. Well, that's what Dana White said. But let's look at what he's talking about. He said like I want uh, eight to ten million, dude. No. <laughs> And, and, and here's the thing. You're marking yourself out of a you, – you, he just bought himself. Then he said – had the nerve to say, well, just cut me out of my contract. Look, cut him out of his contract. Yeah. Um, fantastic but fighter. But if you're in the you don't cut him out of the contract. You know why? <laughs> why? Because you, you want him still on your card. You still want him to be able to show up at some point well, in the future. Well, or do you? Yeah. Well, you here's the, here's the problem I have If you can keep him. him clean and you can get him in front of somebody if to you, fight, if you can you're going to make clean. money. If you can keep him clean. So here's the thing. Curtis Blades, Derek jo- uh, uh, Lewis, who's going to get $8 million, by the way. Um, <laughs> and he's not going to complain about that. No, and he won't. And he's smarter. I don't know if I'd want to eat Francis Ngannou's uh, punches well, for he's already mil, beat. But... He's already beat Francis Ngannou. Uh, 
I still don't know that I want to eat his punches. Well, here's the thing. And, and you got to admit, he's improved no, dramatically. No, Francis Ngannou is a monster. Yeah, he lives in, up to that name, the Predator. I've never seen a fighter, and, and he's not a juicer. His, his ground game is getting a lot better. He's, he's just blessed. He lives in that UFC fight gym. Well, here's the thing. If, he, if John Jones can't take him down, he, John Jones loses that fight and, and wakes up in the locker room. If John Jones gets him on the ground, it's it's his to win. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, how's he gonna get him on the ground if you can't get a contract for the fight? <laughs> well, yeah, that's so a good that's point. Where we're at now, so but. here's the thing that you know, and I like John Jones because, but here's the thing: money just seems like it changed him. You can't. Well, well it's kind of. I think this goes back to the talk about Conor McGregor. One of the most exciting fights to watch is a Conor McGregor MMA fight. I don't like his boxing fights. Not going to watch those. Oh, but, speaking <laughs> but, of that, uh, Dennis, uh, what is that idiot dude? Dennis Dillon, uh, the submission guy who's who's a two and zero record, said in a street fight, "I will beat, uh, I'll murder uh, Francis Ngannou." Mm. In no scenario, including a submission, I don't believe that. I don't think he's <laughs> no, he did say it. I know <laughs> he did say it. No, I'm I not saying I say he gets said, murdered. I, I don't believe that. That I would not want to cross paths with Francis Ngannou in a bad situation. He's outside outweighed of rank. almost a hundred pounds. This guy hits like like he's got cinder blocks in his hands, like he's yeah. bionic or Terminator or something. Yeah. And legitimately a real nice guy. And he but flies he around the ring. I mean, he and the thing is, he's not he's not slow. Uh, he's very gifted. And the thing is, is that he's no drama. Yeah. The only issue he had is that he couldn't keep uh, Stipe Miocic from taking him down. He did in this fight. Yeah. And if Jones can't take him down, then he's. Jones has got to figure out some way and not getting, you know, peppered because he's going to bring the pain. Is that a fight you'd watch, Red? <sighs> so it, I'll, I'll watch any fight. Now, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't follow UFC. I yeah. don't really follow any sport. <gasps> so, <laughs> well, do you no. know who John Jones is? I mean, he's nope. kind of a household name. Nope. Okay. That, so, that's fair. I'm not going to give you a hard time. Well, for no. That, and so he, here's the thing. Um, I so I didn't used to watch <laughs> UFC. Now, when I started training martial arts, then I could appreciate difference. I could appreciate the ground game more. Like I, I always hated it when people went to the ground. You thought it was boring. Yeah, I thought it was boring. Now, once I started training martial arts, I understood um, a lot of what they were doing when they're getting into grappling. So I was able to appreciate it a lot more. But I've I've never been a huge sports guy. No. Um, and so even uh, a, even something like fighting, where I actually have some knowledge and a little bit more interest. The things like, like following certain fighters. I mean, I I don't really care. Yeah, I, I want to see a good fight, but as far as like what you do in your off time, like all all of the other stuff, it's just not really that big of a thing to me. And I'm the same with musicians, with actors, with all of that stuff. I, I don't really care about all the background stuff. Just just do what you do to entertain me. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be degrading about that. It's just the other stuff doesn't hold my interest. It holds mine. You know why? All, all of the uh, money that I've worked for close to forty years, only and the, yeah, not, all, to, not to age yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, and when some kid comes along and says, "I want for one fight, I want more money than you've made," you you know, than the average no fight. I'm trying to think of a time when a fighter made that much money. Made how, who are you referencing? Talking, okay, so that would be like the eight, mil, the eight mil fight. Yeah, yeah well, well, he won or the thirty mil. mil. The, uh, well, how much did you th- uh, legit? I think Conor McGregor probably cleared that or more when he fought Mayweather. 
not just Mayweather. I think his last championship fight, he probably got close to that. Three million. Yeah, that was his, that was his contract. Be. But I'm talking about like the the pay per view. Like he, they get a cut of the door. They get a cut of they the pay per views. They well, no, they get a cut of the door and the pay per views. Yeah. And so here's the thing. What what I do like is that uh, McGregor, you know, didn't really back it up. It's not bragging when you when you back it up. Yeah. Lately, he hasn't been doing that. You can still that. brag and, and be able to <laughs> You brag. can be Conor McGregor and brag. Yeah, but, he, but he, <laughs> actually he can't, and he's kind of a douchebag, and here's why I say that. But, you but assault we, a guy in 2019, all right, and then you buy the bar and then ban, ban him from the bar. Well, That's a douchebag thing. I, I, do you want that guy coming in your bar? Well, but he intentionally the bought the bar. Him. He intentionally bought the bar, right? Um, that's what he said anyway. I don't know the, the, the history of it, but yeah, if it wasn't the bar they got in the fight in, was it? No. Well, yeah, oh. he assaulted the guy in a bar, right? All right, and then uh, he buys the bar, and okay. then the guy tries to come there, and he's banned from the bar. <laughs> that's an a douchebag thing to do. So, you remember when you ate that brownie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. If you had fu money, like Conor McGregor, I wouldn't. I don't. You would have thought of that. something creative. Well, but still, but that, but that's just you know, it's a douchebag. Here's the thing: what it boils down to is, it's not bragging if you back it up. I'll say that again. The problem I have with John Jones is beat a couple of guys in the heavyweight division. Yeah. I mean, start start a career in the uh, heavyweights and let's well, see what happens. Well, here's the thing: it, all he has to do is do what Michael Chandler did. Michael Chandler took the number four guy out, right? In seconds, dropped him, and this was convincing. Let John Jones drop a Curtis Blades. Let John Jones uh, take out one of these the French dude, the French brother, uh, uh, undefeated fighter. Uh, he had some weird name. Uh, well, it's French. Start, it's hard to pronounce. Well, you know, I'm not French, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it starts with a G or something. I don't remember the, the name. G uh, unit. A tall brother. Well, I don't know if it's a G unit, but uh, a Curtis Blades, a Derek Lewis, somebody who has some been experience. in that division. Yeah. For several years, beat a notable fighter. Yeah. Well, and then people, how many people wanted it, John Jones, and they had to go through the ranks? Yeah, that's one hundred percent right. Reyes had to do it. Uh, Gustafson had to do it. Cormier yeah. had to do it. Yeah, everybody it had to go through automatic. So no. here's the thing: if you want people to see you but fight, you, well, you, give you, them a reason to. Imagine Cormier doing the exact same thing. Imagine oh. Cormier just saying, hey, I'm going to jump down to your weight class, and I'm just coming right for you, and I want 30 mil for doing it. Like we, I, He didn't get 30 all, mil I think most people like DC. Most people are like, DC is one of those straight-up dudes. Like, uh, you, you want to see Jake him. Paul. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, you know, he's one of those dudes that I think everybody in the UFC has got a lot of respect for, and you want to see him fight, and you're going to pay the pay-per-view to watch him fight. But you also know that that's just unreasonable ask. And I think John Jones, with his tainted history, doesn't have a lot of leverage in the and situation. That's the problem. And, and, that, and that's where Dana was just like, no, he, he's like not those, He's like those villains in Stargate. The Gaud, just arrogance, and that's his only problem. Yeah. Well, not his only problem. Now I want to go back and watch this UFC 261 because there are some good fights. I got to do a shout out real quick. Jeffrey Molina coming out of Glory MMA Fitness uh, with with uh, James Kraus had a really good you know three round decision, unanimous decision in his debut fight. That was on you know the early prelims. Um, going through the prelim fights, just figured we'd go through them real quick and see if you have any, any takes on any of this, okay? Um, starting out here, Featherweights, Tristan Conley gets beaten by Pat Sabatini. Looks like he went to decision, unanimous. I hate decisions. I, 
Yeah. Hate decisions. I do too, but at the same time, like, man, these guys are trying to not lose. <laughs> Sometimes well, see, that's what they end and, up doing. And, and you got to remember, as somebody who grew up in the 70s, I remember watching Ollie and them, and these weren't yeah. boring fights, and they wanted to finish you. Those are my favorite type of fighters. Finish. Yeah. So then you got middleweight bout. Uh, I prefer Norwegian. Norwegian? Instead of finish. Instead of females? We, yeah, there was a whole discussion in a, in a thread this week about like some goofy names that we give to stuff. Who are the Finnish people? <laughs> well, uh, people from it's Finland. Like, it's like Mortal I, Kombat. I know this. Finish them. <laughs> yes, didn't mock them. <laughs> uh, I, I will do. I could do Spanish a shout out uh, and a get well to Chris Weidman, who had a ooh, very ooh. very gruesome injury. Uh, I okay. think he's a class. Act. I've seen this about three times in MMA. From those old Pride matches we watched all the way through the UFC matches. Yes, we did. Like, it, I'll admit it now because, because, like, you know, we're past the uh, past the statute of limitations on some of the things that I had in my possession at one point from somebody. <laughs> but some of the fights, man, I used to love going through those fights. But anytime you see somebody get injured that dramatically. Yeah. And when you don't, like, the thing that gets me, okay, so what happened in this fight is basically it's a checked low kick. And this checked low kick gets blocked to the point that the shin... Snaps the tibula fibula snaps midway, yeah. and the ankle basically wraps itself around the and, leg. Yeah, so, and so what happened was is Uriah <laughs> Hall is a striker. That's his thing. Yeah. Okay. So when he does a, a check kick, he's going to angle it in the direction. All right. And when he well, angled it in the direction, it made it to where it was. And it was a low kick. It wasn't a mid kick or a high kick. Yeah. And it got checked with his basically just shin to shin contact. And, yeah. But it was the direction of the. Of and the, it snapped. And, and, and it looks like when you do it in slow motion. You know so weird? That he put his leg down and then he didn't realize it until yeah. he hit landed. Like, I, I, you would almost think that, like, instantaneously you're going to have that pain reflex from your leg snapping, right? No, not you, necessarily. You, you watch it in slow mo, his leg wraps around and it starts coming back around. After he checked the kick, and he's got he's still looking dead on to the to his competitor, right home. and yeah, and just being like you know ready for the next striker thing to happen, and then his leg goes to the ground, and then it's like, and then he uh, he's screaming, yeah. and of course Uriah Hall turns around with his hands on his head, and Dude, you know what? Mad respect Uriah for Hall laying off. is a, a, a class act because yeah. he said mad respect to Chris Weidman, yeah, and and here's the thing, if let's say I beat you in a fight. Why on earth would I insult you when you basically made me look good? That's right. You made me look good. I'm going up the next level. And see, and, and, and that's why if, if you beat somebody in a fight, don't 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 be classless and you know try to downgrade them and say they're pieces of crap or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because what that dude did is that you were better than him. Yes, that this day, but uh, or like oh, we're looking at uh, Kamaru yeah, Usum. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got uh, two other ones we want to do. Always look at your opponent as hey, I beat him. I was the one that won today. They're a good fighter. Mm -hmm. hope, you know, maybe we'll Unless do it not. again. If they're trash, and they've well, been talking about your mama. Well, then maybe if, maybe you don't if, show if too you're much somebody love. like Conor McGregor and you call <laughs> your you know somebody's dad a Muslim uh, piece of you know filth, that, yeah, that that's that's not cool, and you no. should never do that. No. And he, yeah, well, and he ended up tapping. Mm -hmm. So we got two other uh, three yeah. other fights. So Kamar Usman and Jorge Masvidal okay, was well, like the lead fight. That was the big that was one. the lead fight. But Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. She took the more powerful woman off her feet, mm -hmm. looked like at will, and she didn't just take her down. She slammed her down, and she threw her down. For somebody who, uh, and Jessica Andrade is known for her strength, but Shevchenko showed skill. 
And that's you can't beat that with a bat. I mean, she put her in a crucifix and then just elbowed her yeah. for the finish. This is very impressive. And now you start got the only one who's beaten Shavenko is the lioness. And that's at a heavier weight class. And I'm not too sure. I mean, uh, the Lioness couldn't finish her. It had to be a decision. Who's the Lioness? Uh, uh, Amanda Nunez. Oh, Nunez. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I go by Lioness because she's earned that. Here's what you love. The reason I say she's the best female MMA fighter ever, including over her, because she beat her. Yeah. She has beaten Shavenko. She has beaten, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. And savagely knocked her out. Okay, I mean, this looked like a job. Pretty much in ended WWF. her career, and then <laughs> she hit Cyborg, and Cyborg hurt her hurt within the first few seconds, and she just put her butt on the on the on the fence and just swung and caught her, yeah. and I mean, really caught her, and and then she just walked into her, and you know you're out when your butt is up in the air and your face is in the dirt. Yeah, you're eating okay? that. Yeah, and her her legs out like this, and I mean, <laughs> she's just done, and for her to go through those types type of caliber of women and great fighters shows how she earned the title of lioness. You know, we're going to, I want you to, we're going to take a little squirrel moment and sidetrack for just a moment. Okay. So I had some 93 Johnny Walker that Red was able to partake in today. What do you think? Because it's, <laughs> it's empty. The glass is empty. We've been, we've been on for 20 minutes. It must've been okay. Right. I, it was gone long before now. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> No, it was it was pretty good. I mean, it's uh, I thought it was a very subtle taste. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Um, so honestly, I prefer a little bit more complexity to uh, mm-hmm. to my whiskeys. Um, it, you're right; it was complexity. very subtle, but you know there was there was sophisticated. There wasn't really any any harshness to it. Yeah, indeed. Um, but. Like I said, I prefer a little bit more complexity when I'm whenever I have my whiskeys. Um, I like, especially like smoky and uh, and oaky kind of tones. Explain I like a little bit of complexity to somebody who's a non-drinker. All right, so essentially, when you're drinking. Um, when you're drinking whiskeys, you have I, there are a lot of different alcohols that have this, but there are multiple notes to the different uh, to the different alcohols. So you can get some that are a little bit more medicinal flavoring like uh, some that are more fruity some that are a little bit more sweet um, you've got smoky salty there there's there's a lot of different aspects to uh, of flavor that you could get especially when it comes to whiskeys um, the more complex whiskeys are going to have a lot more individual notes so what do you, you mean might, individual notes so you can you can take a whiff of it and smell different things like you can smell. It's like a symphony in your mouth. Absolutely. So you could smell things like you could smell uh, wood smoke. That sounds like smell, an advertisement. <laughs> you could smell the wood itself. You could smell different fruit aromas, different floral aromas. The you could wood. smell uh, different. Um, I've had somewhere I've I've smelled it. I'm like, okay, I'm smelling pancakes in this, and not maple syrup. Like just as the pancake itself. Um, but yeah, all, all of a sudden of, I want pancakes. <laughs> in, in a glass pancakes. or just, just pancakes so no so there's so that's what I like I like when there's there's a lot of different variety to the flavor and something that like so you're a thinking drinking man I am a thinking drinking man I, I, think, uh, I like to I like I to savor my scotch drink, thinking the, the thinking Sorry. drinking uh, semen so like I like to <laughs> <laughs> 
That's our red. <laughs> oh, so right. I like to uh, I like to hold it in my mouth and uh, roll it over the tongue. Oh, swish it back and forth. It, you do it, a lot of smelling before you, you put it in your, your mouth too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you got to smell. Okay, it so we're quickly moving back to the fights. Okay, we got Zang Willie here. No, you got to you got to say what you just did, right? Okay, so what I did is I went in and got some Johnny Walker Blue Label. So we started with some '93 standard Johnny Walker. And now we're going to 2020. So that was the that was the red label that he started with. Correct, red label. It's kind of your off the shelf normal Johnny Walker, but it's older. So I thought it had some pretty subtle tones. It was actually like a nice, just you don't want to you don't want to like be overwhelmed. It Indeed. was a good one. Now this blue, I, I, you're going to respond to this blue. Now the reason why I'm not drinking because I have kids and. I don't drink in front of my kids, but I, I love having friends over. And I'm fine with people drinking, so I'm not going to drink. But Red's drinking. Yeah, I'm not going to drink because I'm not going to drink. I just you, you just can't I stopped handle in, it. You can't handle I stopped it. drinking in 1976. Yeah, that's and good I time decided to stop. this is it for me. Yeah. So, right, oh, so okay, we're going to go back to the MMA thing. No, no, no. One, no, one second. He wants gonna, a little, he's, he's a been little sniffing. Now we're so going to, uh, here we go. To taste the complexity in your mouth. Let's see how, how controlled the palate is here. <laughs> Take a deep swig. Mm. It, it reminds me of Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> he's staring intently at the uh, ceiling. It, it just sounds like he's snowballing. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's really trying to develop a sense for this, and we're just oh. totally ruining it for him. <laughs> That's what friends are for. In good times and bad times, I'll be at your side. So that's pretty good. That's more. I would say that that's uh, a lot more reminiscent of an of an Isle Scotch. An Isle? Yeah. Meaning so they're, a, an actual like uh, Scottish Isles. Scotch. Right. Right. So there are uh, different regions of Scotland um, that make different scotches. Mm-hmm. So there's the like the Highland single malts are the most, I would say the most like broadly popular. And there are lowland scotches and there are the Isle scotches. The Isle scotches, they use uh, peat, which is like it's a, a moss. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's not just the moss. It's actually like the whole... Um, like it's a whole chunk of it's the, the whole earth. substrate. You're yeah. drinking yeah. the moss that they take, and they they use that as uh, the fuel to to boil the. You're drinking moss. No, 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 no. no, no, it's, no. It's, you're getting the, the flavors of the moss because it's being used to burn. Right. To, so to it's, it's being used as the fuel to kind of like hickory. Yeah. 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 Kind of like using a wood or something. So, so it's got that. It's got that kind that of a flavor. It's it's a little. <laughs> it's got a little bit of the salty and the, the peaty notes to salty. it. A little bit of smokiness to it. Mm. It's a little bit more medicinal than I typically like from, uh, so from my scotches. So, you're saying so that'd be more like wash your wounds out versus drink. No, no, no. So, okay. <laughs> so medicinal is refers to like the the way that the flavor is. Um, so, honestly, I don't have a really good way of of describing it. Um. Well, we have an English language full of like 10,000 words. <laughs> you can start no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. 13 million I you'd be the word. words. This, I thought you'd be the word police. Uh, He's like, oh, I can't. No, so, um, so medicinal notes are... Call syrup. Gosh, I'm really, still, I'm really still not to be good. Defined. I'm really cough not good syrup. at. Uh, I, I will, I will bring well, that, a book. Okay, I will bring that, a book next time. Cough syrup. Yeah. Is that the direction yeah. we're going? Yeah. Okay. So something. So again, more use for rubbing a wound. Well, for right. Me. But you're not going <laughs> to use Johnny Walker Blue to to put in a wound. Well, first of all, it's not high enough proof. But 
Well, this, this reminds I mean, me of the scene of rattle, down, rattlesnake venom, right? This reminds no. me of the scene from Down Periscope. <laughs> He's like, Buckman, what's your problem? You think we're going to wake up in the morning and have a nice, fat, steaming cup of lard in the morning? Well, sir, if it's a cold morning. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great movie, by the way. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I don't remember the last time I watched it. It's probably been 10 plus years, but I still remember almost every line from that stinking movie. You watched it. What, 2001, 2002, I think? Well, yeah. if you... So, I was not a Submariner, but I knew a lot of Submariners. <laughs> and they will tell you, if you ask any of them, what is the most accurate movie about uh, submarine warfare, mm-hmm. they will say Down Periscope. Yeah. Oh, really? just about that goofy? Oh, well, well and the thing so is... does that explain the, the Navy the in general is generally that. <laughs> the Navy in general is usually that goofy. Right. Not... The, it's it's played up a little bit. Welcome and, aboard. <laughs> So how many seamen did they the, have? The, the tattoo on the captain's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha. Welcome aboard. Right, yeah. no, so. <laughs> Plenty of seamen all around. Uh. No, but it's the, the Navy in general. Like, and a lot of the military, we, we just have a very different sense of humor than what uh, most people have. And you don't a say. lot less self-control. Yeah. Because Oh, fair. Very fair. And, and you know, the thing is, is that you, you go and you pull some of these kind of pranks and stuff in, in a normal job, you're getting fired. Mm-hmm. The Navy's not going to fire you. The military in general is not going to fire you. You might go to mast. You might get in trouble, but you're still going to be there. You're still going to have that job. You, your punishment is to finish out your enlistment. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the thing is, is that there, there's a lot less concern for that. And then, well, every, I mean, your NCOs are basically taking care of most of your discipline heard. problems well, way and, before they hit mast. And so I was in the Air Force almost three years, yeah. and I've never heard of somebody getting fired for a prank. Right. Well, and everybody's everybody's going through the same crap. True. So it's it's just kind of a, an embrace the suck and find the joy where you can kind of an attitude. It, to <laughs> me, being in the Air Force was like, honestly, college. Yeah. That's really what it seemed like. All right. Are we going to get right, back so to the MMA? Johnny Walker, good, bad, and different. Mm-hmm. Solid. Okay. Okay. Well, moving back over here. Oh, there's only a couple more fights. Really yeah, a couple more fights. Now, we had Zhang Welly and Rose Namajunas. Yeah. I don't know if I pronounced that right, and I'm sorry if I didn't. We'll don't, just call her Rose Please anyways. don't head kick me. And speaking of head kicks, that's exactly what happened to, uh, uh, to the Chinese young champion when... She got hit flush on the jaw, and her eyes rolled in her freaking head. Yeah. And she hit when she hit. When they were, she had her arms pinned like this, and Newton Amajunas was Rose was just hitting her with hammer fist in her. Yeah. Okay, I mean she was giving her the business, and it was a good stoppage. Now. She stands up arguing you shouldn't have stopped it and is stumbling around. If yeah. that the indication that that man made the right decision, I don't know what is. Yeah. But I mean, this That's was a tough one. There's so many times that, that people get critical of, of the referees. And I understand there's been some boneheaded calls. Yes. But, but on the same token, their, their job is to try to do the safest thing for the fighter. Yeah. So they can actually get in the ring and do it again. Yeah. Because, I mean, CTE. <laughs> well, here's the thing. She got, uh, it wouldn't have hurt her head because she didn't get a hit in her head. She got oh, no, no, hit no, no, no. right you, in her jaw. You jaw. think so. That's not accurate. M- majority of the time, you can get a concussion from falling and hitting your butt on the ground because it's all about your brain shaking in your skull. Yeah, it doesn't I, have to I, be a head strike. I, I don't well, think that's accurate at all. No, I that is, my no, butt. That is 100% accurate. It yeah. is. The, the, the studies show yeah, that it I has... Yeah, I told BS on that. that. That's, no, 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 no. Why do you think you have offensive linemen who are getting CTE? They're not taking. They're not getting knocked out, James. 
They're not taking these big old hits in the middle of the field like a lot of receivers are. Oh, you talking about Mark Sanchez? I'm <laughs> <laughs> the butt fumble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, it's like they're talking about just the, the the initial the inertia of getting struck in the chest with somebody's forearms, shove you back far enough that your head rattles. That's a concussion, well, and you do that you know fifty times in a game, like it starts adding up. And there are a lot of boxing and and Muay Thai and stuff. Uh, guys that they won't wear the headgear yeah. when they're when they're sparring. doing sparring matches yeah. because the headgear there've actually been more people who have gotten concussions wearing the headgear because that additional weight on your head adds that much propensity exactly that that adds that much more inertia and it's causing people to get more more concussions i'm not suggesting people don't use headgear while they're sparring but (laughs) i understand what you're saying (laughs) well and your your skull is not designed to be hit like that no but that's why we do it (laughs) right like that's why you hit somebody there is because it's not ready for it well our bodies aren't built to handle those kind of shocks well i tell you what uh zang wasn't her jaw wasn't built to get hit and kicked like that and it was Mm. clean okay now so props to rose she she pulled out the win and you know what she says i'm champion again and she is and you know what nice girl um uh, could you? I, if I'm, now, I don't. Did you? Did you see any of the build up before this? Because this gets into the political realm where I think you know Red might have an opinion about too. But I did not. Yeah, there was there's some stuff going around. She was talking about uh, basically communism's bad. Communism and, is bad. Yes, communism. <laughs> yeah, and and considering you know, I, I think she was the one that actually had a a post on Instagram or something like that. And um, <laughs> I'll, I'll even pull it up and verify here in a second. But to get the the conversation rolling on it, she basically was like, I would rather die. Then go back into communism. Basically, I'd, I'd rather take my risks in the in, in MMA and die from doing what I love rather than ever going back into a communist country and living so, under so that. So, how many black people control. would rather be slaves? None of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a, a you know a great great grandfather who was freed when he was nine years old. Okay, and uh, they told him get out. Now. Um, that old man had to, they didn't have child labor laws and he had to eat to live. Okay. So wow. that, that's, a, that's, that's exceptional. Well, Having to eat to live. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have to do that. Well, there are people that they didn't have stores back then, especially stores for, you know, the average black person could just walk in. So, yeah. So here, here's why it's controversial because the girl she was fighting is from China. Yeah, okay. She's and from China. so the communism plays into that for that fact. But, um, here's an article, you know, pulled up from SB nation and they're just talking about Rose said her anti-communist remarks had nothing to do with this fight with Zhang, but she's obviously got some strong feelings about it. So I'm going to go pull through here. You guys, you guys keep talking about it for a second, but so, she, she basically posted a video and talking about like, Hey, I'd rather literally die than go back to any kind of communist country. Well, that's what a lot of a lot of people feel like. I've seen a lot of interviews with people them. from that either grew up in in uh, poverty, the USSR, poverty, or in other nation in other nations. I've I've seen a couple of interviews. Um, uh, Reason TV has done a couple of interviews with a lady who was in Venezuela after it got taken uh, over by the communists. And yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely a lot better to live in the freedom that we have, even though I don't think the freedom that we have is, is as free as it should be. Yeah. And but it's definitely not that, uh, the kind of totalitarian, uh, regime that's necessary for communism to unless quote unquote function, unless you're a particular type of a socialist or Marxist that can buy $5 million in homes and, you know, and live in a nice ritzy neighborhood in California. Well, again, that's not. <laughs> that's well, the thing is, is it? And, and that act, must be nice, huh? Uh, Socialism only works for the top one percent. 
that can take advantage of the other 99%. Well, it's the, the, the people that are politically connected. Mm-hmm. That's that's who it works for. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, so here's where it became controversial. One of the one of the <clears throat> remarks that people were quoting her on when she made this post was, "Better dead than red." One hundred percent. Which I think is is a is a wonderful wonderful comment to have. If you truly understand the history of communism, there's nothing that would make me want to live in a communist country historically. There's nothing positive that have, that has ever come from those things. Well, and if and you're then, in a red state, you've got a good chance of winding up dead anyway. Just look at the numbers from uh, Mao Zedong. Look at true. the numbers from uh, when Stalin took over. Yeah, yeah. There, there's baby and papa so dog in Haiti. Yeah. Look at that, what happened in Haiti. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the the secret police from Haiti, they routinely went around and he got rid of opposition, like, period. Well, I'm not even talking about just about political opposition. I'm talking about the, the failed policies that they implement that cause millions of people to starve to death. Yeah, and you know what they don't you know why they don't care? Because they're doing just fine. Yeah, they, they have the outward appearance. It's just like if you look at like everyone understands North Korea is communist, and they understand that on the outset when you first when they allow people into North Korea, what do they do? They show them the nicest place that they've got there. Everything outside of that Smoke central mirrors. Yeah, everything outside of that is just horrible living conditions. Everyone's essentially in slavery. And so the second part of her comment was is that Whaley, which is uh, Zeng's first name, I believe, yes. but that she is red. Basically, you know, in her comment, she was saying that, which, and and she's trying to say, basically, like, she's red. She's from the red state. Like, I don't know how else to dissociate her from that. Affiliated with the Communist right. Party. Like, like, if you are anything in China, it's because the state lets you, and you are expected to give back to the state. That's why there's a lot of concern about, like, you know, business security when it comes to, um, you know, having any corporation that comes from China into the U.S. market, there's like, okay, basically anything you feed that company that you work with them on is going straight to the government. Well, and that's one of the biggest concerns with the, I, I believe it's called Mayway, Mayway, Huawei, Huawei, Huawei. Yeah, yes. the, the, their 5G network. Yep. And it's why, why? Well, it's not just the network. It was actual devices. The devices were literally just taking all the information you put on them, and the government could just log in anytime they want to and go through it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there's no privacy. Well, here's the one thing I want to give Nike some ups for, and that's something I don't usually do. Nike. They said, not gonna get no love from me. Uh, well, no, Nike did say that Nike did say we're not gonna have our uh, apparel and shoes made with slave labor. So they moved it to another country that makes it just as cheap. So when they, well, they when did they decide rates. to stop that? Yeah. Well, they just did it, and so you know what the Chinese government said? They doubled down and said, "Well, we're gonna make more sl of the Uyghur slave uh, Muslims." Here's the problem I'm having about these so-called woke athletes, and I'll just say it. I don't care how controversial it is. I find it hard to believe that you want to say everything's bad with America, but you're getting tens of millions of dollars in endorsements from the Chinese government that has slaves making your shoes. Now, and as a black person, why on earth would you in any dimension allow this, take money from these people when you're making millions, tens of millions of dollars per year and you want to take more money off the backs of slaves? And they, they want to say that our police are bad, but yep. yet then they, yeah. they, they, they don't want to stand up and say anything about the atrocities going on in Hong Kong. And then yeah, the Hong Kong wrong. police are absolutely like they're, they're Gestapo. How many, how many people yeah. died in Hong Kong? Over a thousand You'll never people. know. No, you'll... It was over a thousand. Well, where they if you have religious beliefs that don't line up with the country, what do they do? They literally ship you off to internment camps. Like, like this is making shoes. No, more worse. You're just dying. Like, the, the, as far as we know, they're putting them through gas chambers right now. How are they any different than for the, the Thanos? 
Remember that when they says all you'll find is blood and, and sand. Yeah. And she says we have blood to spare. Yeah, that's gross. And I think that's the same type of uh, well, analogy. One of the, but it's not their blood. One of the best things to do, in my opinion, anytime we're dealing with these political issues, is try to understand where somebody's coming from. So Rose went into a little bit of her background. I think this is like really. It's a convincing story as to why communism is bad in her eyes and why she says the comments she does, and she's not afraid to say them, right? So she had an ancestor who was a Kungesis. I, I really don't know Russian. Uh, but she was ba basically this um, this ancestor was Kyrgyzstan. a book. No. This, this person was a smuggler, a book smuggler, who was responsible wow. for keeping Lithuanian language alive. Essentially, they're trying to destroy any language other than Mother Russia's. That's what they did with the slaves in mm -hmm. America. There was also my great uncle who survived being sent to Serbia. A lot of people don't understand that like Serbia was like the, the death camps, essentially. They sent people there to die. It was just like going to a gulag. If you were against the Communist Party, you were going to Serbia to break rocks and die. Uh, and then he came back and ended up being one of the first groups of cardiologists in Lithuania. Wow. Then he wrote his whole family, <clears throat> wrote his whole family history in a book um, on all the different things that happened with their family then, uh, with our family. And then, you know, my father was also refused to be in and fight for the Soviet Union Army because... Uh, and he got to put in a mental institute instead because he refused. So basically they said, oh, you're psychotic because you won't you know, join the military. Um, but at the same time, his stubbornness and his refusal to accept oppression is a big factor into why I'm so stubborn. And sometimes I can be hard to coach, you know, but it's always uh, what makes me such a strong fighter. And it's something I carry with me throughout my career. So I think she has a very valid reason to be um, pretty Concerned. fired up. Pretty fired up about anytime she's seeing communist things happen. Um, Jocko Willink had a podcast, and one of his buddies was on with him named Drago. Now, Drago was born and raised in communist Poland right after World War II. Basically, Russia, you know, took up as much as they could, and they were still trying to institute communism and, and keep spreading it across Western Europe. Poland was basically in, under the influence of this throughout the 70s and stuff. So he, his, his, you know, they're sitting there talking. This guy became a Navy SEAL in the United States. But as a teenager, he was actually a part of a small group of guys that went around publishing news articles. And they, you know, published these little sheets and pamphlets and pass them out. And one time he goes over his buddies, and they got literally like secret knocks and shakes and all these things to make sure that, like, hey, everything's safe, you know, that we're, we're not being followed, that kind of thing. He shows up, gives a little special knock on the door, door opens up, and out comes a bunch of police. And they grab him, they snatch him and his buddies up, they go search his mom's house because he was still living with his mom, and they find all the documents, all the pamphlets, and they're like, hey, you're a part of this, like, you know, what do you have to say for yourself? Essentially, like, the jury, you know, already drew its verdict. Because we're the jury. And exactly. Like, you're, you're going to prison, what do you have to say for yourself? Because it's, it's going to determine your future. He's like, oh, I just found all those pamphlets, I don't know she's talking about <laughs> you know it's so smart he wouldn't move off of it but somebody probably said something anyways they got busted he served i think at least two years it may have been three years that he served in political prison okay that's something we've never dealt with in this country and he understood he's like yet when he got out of prison and he had all kinds of problems literally the guards would call his mother and say, can you please come talk to your son? He's out of control in the jail. Like, this is how much of a problem he was being for these, you know, these communist uh, gulags. Unfortunately, <laughs> we we haven't. <coughs> well, I would say that we haven't necessarily had political prison. We have had political prisoners. Right. There have been times where there were certain laws Dinesh put in place. Dinesh I, I think is a... It, 
they found a law to get him on. Well, he did violate the law. However, he was the it's first a, person to ever be. One. He was the first person to ever be jailed for violating that law. Correct. But there were also people that <clears throat> the uh, um, the sedition acts, the treason and sedition acts. Yes. Um, there were. I mean, look what Abraham we did Lincoln too. Abraham to, Lincoln. While I will absolutely give him credit for the Emancipation Proclamation and for certain things that he did during uh, his administration. There were a lot of things that he did that were gross violations of the Constitution. Yeah. I mean, you know, sub suspending habeas corpus. Like there were there uh, there were several other things that he did. It imprisoned people that that stood up against him. And I I, and while I while necessarily I, while I don't necessarily uh, necessarily agree with the things that that people said, some of them I did, a lot of them I didn't because there were a lot of people that were fine with just letting slavery continue to happen. There I were, kind of not. <laughs> well, no, no, but I'm saying about the people who were the people that he had arrested, the people right. that he had um, locked up for just for political reasons. Like I, I don't agree with that, and I will not list Abraham Lincoln on the list of our greatest presidents because of that. Well, do you? Does anybody know who Hanoi Jane is? Okay, yeah. my father. Yeah, she, never she basically. Said anything. For anyone who doesn't know, we'll just state it real quick. She was basically. Um, she had gone to English speaking schools she'd actually i think she went to college in the united states it's basically i'm then, talking about jane fonda yeah but then she re oh you're talking about oh i thought you're talking about fonda i i was confusing with the the japanese broadcaster okay. that would go out and basically no. tokyo here's rose the here's, thank you tokyo rose thank here's you. the problem i have with jane fonda <laughs> jane fonda if you don't like vietnam fine you can protest but don't tell the vietnamese hey the u.s soldiers are over there they're right you're responsible if the if the Vietnamese go over there and kill them. Mm -hmm. You're the one that told them where their position is. How is she not tried for treason? Oh, um, that's right. Henry Fonda's daughter, yeah. and she's rich. It no, just seems I'm rich. I, I agree with that. <laughs> but no, you, you're you're right. The thing is, is we haven't had necessarily political prisons, right? And fortunately, we've come back from those those just grossly unconstitutional and grossly anti-freedom well, acts. They weren't but. technically uh, political prisoners either because when they're dealing with NATO at the time, who was trying to say, hey, you've got political prisoners, and they're like, oh, no, we don't. No, these people broke the actual law, and they'd always try to get them on some little chump charge and then hold them as long as they could on the chump charge. Like, So they played the same game. You were politically opposed. They were going to find something small, right? So they did the same thing, but he comes over to the United States after he gets out of jail, and he's like, you know, i got to try to find a way to, to migrate. He gets in on I think refugee status, but ends up like working in a car dealership, trying to learn the language, and still is like speaks really rough English. But hey, he's trying, right? right. So he, he learns enough English to get by, and he decides, you know what, I got to stand up. This was right around the time that Desert Storm was, you know, popping off, and he decides I need to do something to, to serve this country that gave me the freedoms that I have. Like I I would feel guilty not trying to help out. So he ends up joining the Navy, ends up becoming a Navy SEAL, has a great career, all this stuff, and so now his big push is like. I don't think that people are understanding. He's like, if you understood my history and what I saw, the empty shelves every time you went to this grocery store, you didn't have a selection. You literally took what was left and he lived off of it. He's like, the first time I went over to a buddy's house and he's like, hey, we're having steaks, right? He's like, oh, steaks, that'd be great. And he shows up and there's these three huge ribeye steaks sitting out, right? He's like, which one are we cooking? He goes, what do you mean, which one? He goes, that one's yours, that one's his, and that one's mine. Well, 
no, no, like, which one are we sharing? <laughs> he's like, because straight up where he grew up in Poland, that amount of meat would have lasted him a month. He's like, literally, I would have eaten slivers off of it every day and kept putting it back away and trying to save it and use it for the entire month because they didn't even have meat on the shelves available like that. Like, we live in such, you know, essentially wealth when it comes to food and energy and choice. Like Absolutely. You. you know, and it, a lot of people don't understand that. So, um, again, another another tie-in to MMA. So, uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal, yeah. yeah. So um, I Game listened bread. to an interview with him, uh, with Steven Crowder. Right. And uh, he was talking about how, so he's the son of a Cuban refugee. Yes. And I believe his mother is from somewhere in South America. I don't remember exactly where. But he was, like, he was raised with, you know, his, his father and... I want to say his uncles and I think one of his aunts uh, also was like uh, came over from from Cuba. So but, family of immigrants, completely. Right. Well, but not immigrants, refugees. Yeah. His father came over on a boat that was made from a tractor tire, <laughs> and all of wow. his all of his uh, brothers would give him crap because he managed to get over to Miami, or I, I want to say it was Miami, but to get over to Florida mm-hmm. on his first try. All the rest of them had made multiple tries trying to get over to America and were either caught or like didn't didn't quite make it. Right. And so they had to had to try Paddle again. And yeah. Right. So and one of his aunts actually lost uh, a breast because they put minefields around where Guantanamo Ow. Bay is. Yeah. So, yeah, the the, Cu- the the communist Cuban government put minefields around Guantanamo Bay to prevent people from trying to go over and seek asylum with the Americans. Yeah. So, like, he... Th- this is some of the same stuff that happened. Like, I was listening to a book going over the Cold War and talking about the, the middle of the Cold War when East and West Germany were trying to figure out what they were going to do because you had the Russians on one side and the English supporting on the other. And they're like, like hey, what are we going to do? And it got so bad, there was so many people going across the border the the russian guards and the communist guards that were they, they basically would make you know east germans guards for the russian government but they would be shooting people trying to get across like how bad is your country how bad is your communism do you have to shoot people because they're trying to flee you exactly and they weren't just, like they had this um over there on at the berlin wall but they also had this over in north korea where you not only have the guards, you'd always have at least two guards stationed because the guards were not just watching for people trying to invade or people trying to escape, which is super messed up, trying to prevent people from leaving your country. Yeah. But they were trying to prevent each other from leaving. Yeah. So if the other guard were to try Took to off. leave, you were supposed to shoot the other guard. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah, if, if you're in a position, if you're in a nation where that's what you're having to do you're having to deliberately you kill people leave. instead of instead of leaving you're what a messed those, up nation what were those courts called where they basically they're oh, what do they call it where you, you basically you're supposed to tell all on your family and your friends and they literally pull you in on occasion to be like the last kids they'll pull them aside in school what do your mom and dad say what do your mom and dad think about this and about that and are you hearing them say these things that are anti-government period and if they hear any of that they literally will send in um you know troops to the house and and question the parents and put them behind bars and they'll threaten they'll say if you don't get your kids in straightened up because the things they're saying at school make it sound like it's you the parent that's doing it we're going to take your kids away and put them into a good communist family they did this in poland is, is where i heard most of these stories but they do the same thing in north korea they do the same thing in any of these communist Doesn't countries that sound kind of familiar to what oh, it's scary is well, happening 
right now. Well, I mean, when you think that, like, literally, in teachers, the states, when, when you got doctors singling kids out, when you have doctors singling kids out while they're in for a doctor's appointment, a checkup, and saying, "Do your parents own firearms?" Yeah, you know, and that like, that's a problem because, first of all, even if they they have a uh, a right, according to the Second Amendment, since the 1700s, to own a firearm. Yeah. But it's like all these things are like any attack on freedom they can possibly get is what this this communist socialist ideology always goes after. And, 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 it's, and scary. it's wrong. And there, the thing is, is this. People that have lived it know that this is, we can't let this country go that direction because no, of how dangerous it is. we can't. And then the thing is, is this. So let's say a drunk driver is in New Jersey and he runs into a family, kills a family. Yeah. What does that have to do with my Driving rights, absolutely nothing. So if a guy decides I'm going to shoot up a, a school full of kids, he loses his right. I shouldn't lose my right to protect myself just because that guy decided he wanted to be an idiot and, 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 and hurt people. I know this is kind of like maybe even an abuse trope because it's been used a lot, but you know, I saw a post that I thought was somewhat meaningful to me in, in the, um, the, idea, the idea that it creates in the mind, okay? A bit of a thought experiment almost. But it's, it's like having sheep that realize that there's wolves that do really bad things. And they know that the wolves that are killing the sheep, it's the teeth that are killing the sheep, right? If, if those wolves didn't have teeth, they wouldn't be able to kill the sheep. So let's pull all the teeth out of the sheep, right? <laughs> let's pull so that none of us are armed and we can't possibly kill each other. But then we're not disarming the wolves. There's no way to disarm the wolves because the wolves will always find a way to have teeth and find a way to kill. Uh, I mean, like great examples, like when we were, I was doing another podcast and I was showing videos of those brown eagles throwing goats off of you know cliffs. Like yeah, there's always that. a way. I showed that to you. What is that? Twenty years oh, ago? Oh yeah, that was a long time ago. And you were like, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This, this bird of prey can't even fly with these things most of the so, time. So, so the goats should lose their horns. R well, they should take the hooves off. Yeah. So, you know, so they, you know, they can't get out they of the way. They grip the dirt better. So here's the thing. <laughs> um, Pietro uh, Beretta has been making guns since the late 1500s. Pandora's box is open. Yeah. There are over 400 million guns in this country alone. Yeah. We are the third most populous country in the world. And I think the only way we keep our freedom is just by keeping our freedoms like the well, first and second. And, and going off of that, <laughs> while while we have like America, I, oh my gosh, this this number came out a long time ago, uh, a few years ago at least. But America has forty percent of the nation's firearms. Yeah, and that's not just the government, but the civilian population. Yeah, we have forty percent of the world's. Firearms. Sorry, okay, I, I don't know. I said nations. nations but yeah, I, I knew it's okay. No, but of, of the world's <laughs> firearms, and people will try to say that you know we have the most gun deaths. If we have a gun problem, no, we don't have. We, we're we not don't. Even close. We don't have the most gun deaths. If you look at the most gun deaths by by just purely by number, we're still number two, behind Brazil. Yeah, and we have a much greater population than Brazil. But if you look at per capita gun deaths, which is a much more honest way of looking at at gun deaths, we're number twenty. Yeah, I didn't. So why don't one. we do this? Why don't we look at what they always talk about prevention of gun? Uh, well, I'm sorry, I'll say it again. You're talking about gun deaths. How about gun prevention? Well, that's a stat that's so hard. The FBI has or, tried to or, track that number, but they and don't. The, well, the problem is, is there's so many of the, well, the media don't want that number out. E even if the media, do you know wanted who RC White is? There's a re here's what I'm trying to say. They can't possibly get all the stats correct because what happens is vast majority of the time that a firearm is used in the deterrence of a crime, 
there's no report taken on it because well, there's there's a lot of times people are like, sure well, the threat went away, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, well, it and is. a lot of times you don't even have to fire. Right. Just, well, just no, the mere presence vast, of a gun. Well, vast right. majority. Okay, and then just not. the mere presence of a gun is enough okay. to drive uh, away an attacker. And yeah. this study this study was actually done. Uh, a lot of people get uh, get up in arms saying that, you know, Obama ordered the CDC. I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> Obama ordered the CDC to, uh, to do a study on gun violence, yeah. and they were saying that the Republicans blocked it. No, the CDC actually got that that study accomplished i want to say it was in 2013 i'm not 100 sure on the exact year but they they got that study accomplished but nobody who supports gun control wants to talk about it because what they determined oh, was that anywhere that did that, was he? that's what i just said yeah but it's okay they, you were you were in your own thoughts 2009 <laughs> i think no i i I really think it was later than that. I want to say it was 2013, but again, not 100% sure. We don't need to so, it. So they, they got, it said that anywhere between twice as much and five times as much that the that guns are used in de, for defensive purposes right. as they u, are used for committing crimes. Yeah. So, And the only but, thing that makes it a, a weapon an assault weapon is the fact that you assault someone. Versus no. defend yourself. Yeah, it's a defensive weapon. There's, there's not, there is, <laughs> the, the legal definition for assault weapon is really dependent upon the the Medium. group that made the the law. So right. there, now there is an assault rifle. Assault rifle is an actual term. So it's an AR. No, AR no? actually stands for Armalite rifle. It oh does. no! It's made the original company that designed it was, was yeah. the company called Armalite. So, Arma, assault and, rifle. So no, here's, here's Armalite the reality rifle. of the situation. Uh, like I said about RCY, you you have no idea who that young man is, do you? Well, I've not heard the name. Okay, he's an 18-year-old young brother trying to rob a store. Okay. And you know how come the media didn't say anything about it? Why? Because the one that shot him and prevented him from robbing everybody was another brother mm-hmm. with a gun. So the Second Amendment gives you a fighting chance. It's, it levels the playing field, at least. Okay. You know what one of my favorite stories is? The rooftop Koreans during the L.A. riots. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious because they had that look on their face like, you ain't taking my stuff. <laughs> no, the, 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 so during during the L.A. riots, they the police set a perimeter at a certain street, and I don't know what street it is. I don't but even they know. But they off a, a large area for the riot to occur. Right. They, they cordoned off a large area, and they said, all right, we're not going into this area. It's right. too dangerous. We're, we're going to leave it the chat. Everybody who's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody who's in this area, you're on your own. Right. And the people of, of Koreatown, they came together. They banded together. We were going to support each other. They got up on the rooftops with rifles and shotguns. And like, if anybody comes over here and tries to destroy our business, our livelihoods, we're dropping you. And that's yeah. exactly what that's exactly what defense is all about. Yeah. And is. I'm not going to say that's 100%. exactly what so that's that is one of the things that that is in as part of the the, the Second Amendment. It's the the right to self defense shall not be infringed. If the government's not going to come in and protect you and your family and your assets, who is? I mean, you're going to have to team up with your own people. Oh, I'm 100 percent behind that. I mean, in fact, so since 1950, something like it's either 94 or 96 percent of all mass shootings have happened in gun free zones. Yeah. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I just I think gun free zones. If you really want to do something to get rid of or to to drop the number of mass shootings to to lessen gun violence, get rid of gun free zones. <laughs> you know, if you want to have a gun free zone, like if I if I go into a courthouse, 
you have to go through a metal detector and you have cops right there in order to get into the courthouse. Right. Okay. If you want to say that you are a gun-free zone, that you is, have to provide you, the security. You are saying that I am in charge of your security. I am providing I'm that liable safety for, for you. your safety. Exactly. So if you're going to do something like that and you are going to have security guards, armed security guards, and you're going to have metal detectors to deter, to ensure that people are going through. judges and armed prosecutors. Yeah. So that you are going to ensure that, that that threat is not going to come in and be present. Okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But if you're not going to have all that, if you're not going to be to, to actively providing for my safety, then I need to provide for my own safety. And this is tough, too, because when we talk about the school environment, one of the best things I saw before I rotated out of law enforcement was there was starting to be some push towards let's have you know teachers trained because the reality is the most that you can really afford to have a trained gunfighter, if you will, a police officer, which most aren't even that good at gunfighting, but you know, not because they're bad at it, but just they're, they've never experienced it. So well, And a lot of expect, them don't have... The, the amount they don't of have training, lot, right? They, they don't have a lot of training in that specific area or continuous generalist. It's kind of like saying, Hey, we're going to take a guy that has general knowledge and put him in this situation and try to protect kids. But that's your one security blanket in the entire school for a mass shooting. It's a little scary. And I know that for walking that beat for four years in a large high school with an open campus being the only security on site. That was one of my biggest fears is that if there ever is a school shooting that goes down, it, it's a matter of like, there's points where I was at in that school it could take me two and a half minutes at a dead sprint to get to the other side of the campus. And you're not really a slow guy. So uh, does anybody remember, what's her name? Uh, Alphonse Gradia and Ursula Gradia. Okay. Never heard of that name. Well, no. this is the woman who, because what's the douchebag? Uh, Schumer and a bunch of his other, Chuck other Schumer. cronies. Yeah. Schmuck Schumer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Schmuck Schumer. That douchebag. <laughs> He and a bunch of other uh, gun grabbers made sure that Texas people couldn't have a gun. And this was uh, early 80s. Uh, they couldn't have a gun in their purse. Oh, are you talking so about this, the Libby's Cafe incident? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. She would have had a 38 revolver. She had a perfect shot at this guy. Instead, this guy had all victims and nobody to shoot back at him. Yeah. And then the Democrats made this happen. Again, it, it was a gun-free zone. It was posted as a gun-free zone, and, and so, she left her gun in the car. What's the most dangerous gun-free zone today that we know of? It's a city in the United States, Chicago. Yeah, and how many deaths? I, you don't are see there? me. You don't see me taking vacation in Chicago. No. Yeah, but well, here's the thing. But who has the guns, though? Only the cops. Only the government. The, the no, government no, and no. the criminals. That's right. Only the well, well I was and, going with the legal guns, but yes, no, you're right. The, and the fact is, is that there are a whole lot of illegal guns out there well, that are owned by the criminals. You've and got 21 if, and 13 year olds running around together at 2:30 in the morning shooting at cars. Well, yeah, so you got that going for you. And even even Thomas Jefferson, so going back all the way to the founding, even Thomas Jefferson stated that gun laws are only going to dis or disarm those that are either in or either. Neither inclined uh, nor likely to commit crimes. True. Well, they don't even have to do that. Two girls. Well, how old were the girls? Thirteen and sixteen, I believe. Yeah, the the ones they in, attacked in that Georgia, Pakistani Muslim who used his car for his living. So he didn't really go. He's an Uber car. driver. Yeah. Okay, he's an Uber driver, and he did Uber Eats and stuff like this. Okay, right. so he's holding on to the car. I saw the video, and you could see this horrifying. I'm not gonna let you take this because right. this is my living okay you're literally still so in the my girls house. the girls well, no he wasn't living it but you're stealing my job yeah yeah mm -hmm. and 
you're taking his source of income. So the girls drive, they crash, he dies, they get out. They don't see how good he is. Where's my phone? And then they walk off. Yeah. And the media sat on this. And this is the irresponsibility. Why? Because they're two black girls. Had this been two white girls, this is a whole that's plastered everywhere. And this is the failure of the main, the lamestream media. Yeah, he was a Pakistani immigrant. Pakistani right? Muslim, yeah. So, and who was working hard. He was the main Probably the provider of his Well, family. I don't know if there's a whole... I, one of the I things... Okay, I'm not going to say that I know yeah, one, one of the, the things, refugee status from Pakistan. Well, one of the... Well, in Pakistan, Afghanistan, He was a Pakistani Iraq, Muslim. We've taken... Majority of people that have immigrated to the United States from there have been refugee status at some point before they, you know, gained citizenship. So I wouldn't be surprised. I, I We would have to dig into it to be factual about it. But, like, one of the things that always gets me is I've heard so many stories listening to different podcasts of ex-military members and one of the things that becomes really clearly apparent is a lot of these people that are getting pushed to the front of the list were the people that were sympathetic to the United States while they were overseas. These are literally interpreters and people that were like contacts for the military, for the CIA, for all these other groups. Yeah, and they're like, they become targets. Right, because they're like, it's not safe You're for me anymore us. so hey, can I come over to the United Welcome States? To and, America. Yeah, they're like, hey, we got you, you know? So like, it's sad to hear like stuff like this because like I don't, I don't look at anybody who's here in the United States as anything other than American, but knowing their background, knowing where they came from, these poor, deprived communities they lived in, and they were trying to help the United States. They knew what the purpose, like, they had, they idealized in their heads that, hey, these are the good guys to help, right? And then we're trying to give them a break, and then something like this happens. Like, I'm not saying he was, you know, helping the United States during the war or anything like that, but just the idea that that could have been the case is like... But he was trying uh, to help his family, and and he was the guy, the main guy that was doing it. Of all people to, uh, you know, to galvanize and say, hey, this guy was a good guy. He's yeah. trying to provide for his family with an honest living and two lazy teenagers who didn't want to work and wanted to rob him, get off, not scot-free, but this guy well, loses his life, a family but to loses be fair, a father. And- our justice system is built to handle juveniles completely differently than adults. That's true. So there's a lot less information that the media could could even obtain about the, the situation because a lot of it's sealed up records. Really? Yeah. Well, and had you, this been Trump's about- kid, yeah, the, 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 that would they would have changed. Well, that. somebody from the court would have leaked that information to the media. Yeah, <laughs> see, this is, this is, here's the thing. It shouldn't be, it should never be prejudicial. The news should be facts yeah. not agenda well yeah we wish it, it, it's no longer it, it's a it's a mouthpiece for ideology well and a lot of people want to say that people of more of a conservative or a libertarian mindset are just super anti-immigrant and that's completely not true i would no. rather have those people those people from from the middle east i'd rather have a coming. drago and a rose and and because people who have experienced a rough life america much more they're, they're right. a better citizen than me Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And the thing is, is that those people come over and they look at America and they understand... They the understand the, the potential. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not going to say that they're they're sitting there and they're they have these rose colored glasses of what America is, but they understand what America can be and what America is versus what and even what if, they're coming from. And if they're not capitalizing on it, they at least know their generations to follow can and have yep. that opportunity. And and so I think they're sometimes the most vocal when it comes to these situations that we're seeing. Like I, I don't know. I, I've got many friends that are immigrants. Uh, I have a friend that's from Lithuania who I used to work with and she's very much a, a you know like hey 
there's bad stuff. My family experienced it like all throughout, you know, their lives and they've passed those stories to me. And I understand that we've got an opportunity here and we don't need to see this country go this direction. Well, like, in a lot of ways, I'd rather have those immigrants here mm-hmm. than the people who are just going to sit here and bitch about America and take and, welfare and, and not do not contribute. And, and, and either not do anything about it or do things that have proven to be detrimental about it. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, here's something I think as somebody who was in, in the military, if somebody who's a, of immigrant status says, I'm going to serve this country, they should get automatic citizenship because if you're willing to put on that uniform, well, they and you're do. willing yeah, to Yeah, there's die, a big program in the military for that. Yeah, that, there are a lot of people go into, mili- a lot of immigrants go into military service because that is a yep. fast track to get your citizenship. Absolutely. Well, you should get it, in my opinion, you should get it automatically. Well, no, there, well, okay, there are some that can, but like, okay, so when I, I went to my, uh, my brother uh, is a Marine or former Marine. Well, <laughs> non, no longer active Marine. Right. So mentally uh, still Marine. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, when we went through, they had a uh, family day uh, right before graduation day. And they actually had a couple of guys that went through their um, civilian or their uh, citizenship uh, swear in uh, there in front of everybody on on that family day, yeah, that's some the guys, a couple of guys that had enlisted, gone through uh, boot camp. They, they did that, and um, like there are a lot of times uh, that I've I've seen several different ceremonies of military doing uh, their citizenship oath, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly, I, I don't know the specifics of it, but a lot of them that I've seen that they weren't there at boot camp, they were at, at different places, so the. the go through whatever process that they have to go through. I'm pretty sure the military actually helps pay for some of that through legal oh, services. Oh, 100%. So. But it, the, the thing is, yeah. is that they, there's still there's still stipulations that follow behind sure. it. But, but it, that is a fast track, whereas normally I think it's like a 14-year process in yeah, order to become ridiculous. an American citizen. Here's what I yeah. think. Well, I don't, I don't I think necessarily that, think that that's ridiculous. But I, for 14 I think, years, yes, I think that's ridiculous. Well, well I think uh, that, yeah. you know, you have to <laughs> going through and showing that, hey, like I can be a good contributing member of society. I can be an asset to the United States. And that's something you can figure out on a four-year, eight-year visa. And I, then at the end of that, you can get somebody not, a fast. I am not going to say that the that the process shouldn't be reformed because Amen. it absolutely should be reformed. Reform so, Okay, so <laughs> if you're willing to put your life on the line to represent this country, welcome to America. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I want to. I hate to pivot off of this subject, but there's some other funny stuff I just felt like covering. Why we're right, let's like go in this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> like we, we went pretty serious for a minute. So you're you're wearing a Captain America shirt. Oh oh, his chest is bouncing. He's <laughs> <laughs> Grizzly is doing his chest bounce. So that's for all the ladies that aren't watching. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, can you do that? Oh, very oh, nice. Oh, there we go. Very nice. Yep, the cleavage is bouncing here around here. Oh, <laughs> uh, but anyways, but I can just, you wiggle your ears? Ooh. No. Okay, so I can do that. I, I have this thing. I have this theory it, that as good as Marvel has been over the last decade in the movies, I've absolutely loved them. My favorite out of the whole series is is the Guardians of the Galaxy. Freaking. Love the movies. I love okay. the Guardians of the Galaxy. Not my favorite. They're the funniest. It's my favorite because of the comedy, because of the humor. They bring a, a very lighthearted sense to the whole, you know, genre. Well, come so, on, man, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's Chris. Rocket Raccoon. Is that who plays the voice? Yes. Yeah, I didn't even realize. <laughs> no, it's so crazy. Like, I, I, and because I knew hey, going into the arm. going well, into the movie, I knew that it was Bradley Cooper. Okay, but. Like watching, and the thing is, you could tell Chris Pratt. You could tell me. that Groot was was Vin Diesel. 
I yeah. am, but the thing I is, is I, I actually had to watch a behind the scenes deal of Bradley Cooper in the sound studio to see it in order <laughs> to, to believe because I knew it, I knew it, but it doesn't sound like I've been him watching at all. him too many well, years. So between uh, what's his? Oh my gosh, I'm not going to forget his name. The guy that played the the the, the rock looking figure that was always oh, Drax. Really Thank you, Dave Batista. Batista. That's so, Drax the Destroyer. Right between him and and Chris Cabello. Pratt, like I just. You couldn't get better like <laughs> paradigms of humor in that movie. Oh no, it's and fantastic. It rolling. But it's, like, and as much one of as things that I love was that when they announced that they're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I'm yeah. sitting there like, that is such an obscure comic that I barely know about it. And right. I'm not a huge comic book guy. Yeah, but, but I knew about him. But like that, so many people are are not going to be. I, I'm 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 like I don't know. I, I am a nerd, and I know a lot of comic book stuff that you, a lot of people don't know. You were like. Comics for you are very similar to whiskey. You care about the details. You care about the, the complexity. I don't know. I would okay. say I know a lot more about you, whiskey than you, I know about comics. Do, I would yeah. agree. <laughs> I know a lot more about comics than the no, Guardians. No, no, Gris, Grizzly is way more of a uh, of a of a comic book knowledge guy. Absolutely. And so uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you had Charlie Twenty Seven, which they didn't never put in. He was one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He yeah. had he was strong, just like uh, like the let's say the thing, because of the uh, intense gravity of. Uh, Jupiter. Okay. So he had this. So when he comes to Earth, like he's just super strong. Well, he's super strong irregardless. Yeah. Uh, so That's and then you word. had uh, Starhawk originally was a cosmic entity. Okay. And so I think they did this much better. Why? Because it was a very good story with Chris Pratt and Chris Pratt. Acts like he's he's from the Midwest. Yeah, totally. okay. and that's why we probably enjoy him too because we got that Midwest humor. Well, well yeah, <laughs> and so and, and I'm like just fun. Yeah, and he's just wholesome. And you know what? Uh, and I I really admire the fact that he went from that that doughy appearance that he had on Parks and Recreation. Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Mary Schwarzenegger's daughter, and he was older than I am now when he did that. Yeah, so that gives me hope that I can I can, <laughs> I can lose the fat someday. <laughs> well, so my my point of bringing this up was Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite in in like the whole you know universe. Okay. And I really like when you go back over to the DC side of things. I've got like this this deep seated love for Batman. He's always been my favorite character. Oh yes, so I am. I am my favorite. One hundred percent of Batman. I, I enjoy Superman. I enjoy a lot of the other characters, but for me, it is absolutely Batman. So. As I'm comparing these, then I'm looking over at Disney, and they're doing things completely different. And when they came out with Mandalorian, I'm like, this may be better than anything I've enjoyed with Guardians of the Galaxy, with Batman, with all of that. And I was actually having a conversation with some family the other day, and I started realizing that there's like... I think part of his age, I think when we're younger, we really enjoy the comic and the, the, the fantasy and stuff. And there's something about the Mandalorian that, that yeah, it's a whole different universe. It's this whole Star Wars universe that, you know, love it or hate it. There's a lot of people that just don't care for it, you know. But there's something about, like, how those stories Everybody are told. Everybody has their own it's, cup of tea. Yeah. But it just kind of brings a whole new, like, oh, man, I, I guess, I guess you know, Marvel and DC aren't the only ones that can play on the stage. Do you guys think it's even on the same stage? What, wait, wait, what do you mean? Oh, are you the, comparing Mandalorian? is on the same stage as far as like storylines the depth of the characters the okay order. as okay yeah no i, I would definitely agree on that. the same stage but marvel did something nobody else really kind of has done 
for the exception of Star Wars. But but what they did, no, they, they did, did they went way beyond what Star well, Wars. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I agree. Yeah. So yeah. what they did, they said all these stories are interconnected. Yeah. And they're going to have their own villains and their own struggles, but it's all going to be somebody in the background working the inner workings to try to do what his agenda is. Now, as somebody who was a soldier at the time, the Infinity Gauntlet was a huge monster success, okay? And Thanos was called the Mad Titan for a reason because he was in love with the personification of death, which I can understand why Marvel didn't do it that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay? A little too but, dark well, turns. And they, they did a lot of things where they toned down some of the, what I would <laughs> call ridiculousness from the comics in order to make it a, a lot more appealing to more audience. But here's the thing. People understood Thanos for what he is, okay? And what this was is that nobody really took him serious until he did the, uh, just throttled the Hulk. Yeah. Okay. Which now, is one of the funniest scenes. Well, well, yeah, I mean, he just, he did the press slam and just did the gorilla ultimate warrior slam and just, so wait, so know, they started it off with the comics the same way that they did in the movie with him beating the Hulk. No, uh, he, uh, the first time I saw him, his main enemy was two guys. Um, he's what they call an eternal. Okay. No, he, wait, Thanos is an eternal. I promise you. James is 100% probably I'm right. telling you. <laughs> I, really I, I know like the comics. I feel like okay. there, there was something like the, the, the opposite of the Eternals. No, 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 no. His father, okay, there was an Eternal on Earth named Zurus. He had a brother named Mentor. Mentor is Thanos' father. And he went to... to so he's a direct descendant of I, uh, an Eternal. And let me freely admit that he's a an lot eternal, of my... But he looks like a deviant because of the purple skin. His mother tried to kill him when he was a child. When he Fair left enough. Titan, he killed his mother. Okay? So let me, let me admit that a lot of my knowledge on this came from YouTube videos of me going back and researching and finding out. I didn't read the actual <laughs> comics. Well, so. so Okay, so here's the thing. Thanos became the thing the difference with thanos beside i mean he's real strong real powerful knows how to fight that's not his edge his edge is he does the research he's not lazy yeah okay and he's one of those few characters that are very very intelligent now let's be honest but and he was and for he's kind of a lex Luthor. no he's a direct ripoff of dark side yes okay that 100 <laughs> and i love dark side so much more but i will say that anybody who only knows about thanos from the movies mm. he was nerfed hardcore from the comics he was he had a lot more powers in the comics than he did in the movies well and, well here's the thing but he they did a good job of he never used when he got the stones he didn't use them like he did in the movie he really didn't well, they definitely dramatized it really well, well you you see now drax the destroyer was more of like the hulk or like doomsday yeah wasn't he specifically designed to be By, a thanos killing being? you had a chaos and and another uh entity now the kree captain who was pink and that's the way the Cree did it. He was blonde hair, blue eyed. He's a Cree. And then they had the blue Cree, 
These Later. Aryans. So no, not Koreans. <laughs> Korean. I said Aryans. Oh no, well, no not hair, really Aryans. But he was pink. <laughs> but of his race of people are blue, like in Captain Marvel, and which was based on him. Yeah. Okay. So he was the first guy to defeat Thanos. So what Thanos did, Thanos captured the cosmic cube, okay, which wasn't called the Tesseract then. And when he captured the cube, well, then they said he was omnis omnipotent, right? And nobody could stop him. And to clarify, the the cosmic cube was different than the Infinity Stones in the comic books. He's right. So the cosmic cube really was uh, the Molecule Man and basically the Beyonder. So it was pretty. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the uh, Thanos. No, thing. Let, let's not. Yeah, all right, right, right. So, okay, no, so let's Thanos. Not go too deep in the weeds here. <laughs> so, so Thanos was one of those rare characters that he was pretty driven. Okay, and what made him dangerous is is that he didn't really have a weakness. Now, Captain Marvel, when Marvel realized, because he has cosmic awareness, he realized, wait a minute, the cube. If I if I hit the cube, it'll stop Thanos. So as he goes to hit the cube with just a chop, uh, Thanos aged him like to like a 200 years or something, but he still hit the cube and it stopped Thanos. He was the first one to stop him. Now, the next first one, guy, so he didn't kill him. He just he stopped him. Uh, and, and it ended for, his uh, ability to use the cosmic cube because he hit it. And for those of you who don't know, this is before. Um, Carol Danvers was Captain Marvel. Long so before. She, she was Ms. Marvel at the time, and I will still always call her Ms. Marvel because I'm a DC fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of the original Captain Marvel, the one who was made by... Um, Gosh, I can't even remember the name of the comic uh, company that was making them. I don't but remember back then. Bi Billy Batson. Billy Batson, Captain Marvel. The one, the little kid who would say Shazam, and he would turn Shazam. into this full-grown man. And the, they... <laughs> And DC sued him for copyright infringement yeah. because it said he was too much like Superman. And they the lawsuit drug out to the point where they that comic book company sold the character to DC. And DC just sat on him for years until the copyright on the name Captain Marvel ran out. <laughs> and then Marvel bought up the copyright on the name and they made their own character. And they then did. and then DC started publishing the comic book again under the name Shazam because they couldn't publicized the, the name Captain Marvel, and but they, they still called it, him Captain Marvel but they in the comics. But they could do it in the 70s. The show was called Shazam. Right. Even the Not comics were Captain published Marvel. under even the comics the were published under the name Shazam. Right. Just the character was called Captain Marvel. And then it wasn't until very recently, I want to say it was like in, in the, the, the most the, the recent years, decade. If that. Yeah, that they started, that they eventually just changed his name to Shazam to avoid the confusion and, and be able to publicize it like that. So, so I'm still bitter about that because I always <laughs> I always liked the Billy Batson character way better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that's my own little. I think one of the okay. cool things, what the comparison I was I was trying to draw between Marvel and what they've done with you know, the Marvel series of basically the last decade versus what they did with the Mandalorian, is I realized there was a similarity, and the similarity was the directorship changing over and over. Well, and not just well, it gave you this like it, the Mandalorian to me. The, I think what makes it different so unique, perspectives. Yeah, is that you get a different director nearly every episode. If there's like a you know a tie over like the same scenes happening in the next episode, they kept the same director for that. But that way you felt like every time you went to a new world or a new a new area, it really it is was, a new world. Yeah, like you're being presented a whole new way, new camera angles, new new ways to visualize everything. Everything should be different because if you can predict what's going to happen, then yeah. you. It's not and that's what was kind of cool to see with the Marvel is that basically like you could see the similarities when you watched Endgame and you watched like the latter movies in the in the series. Infinity War. Yeah, you could see it all come together 
But up until then, they were very different movies. They all were very, like, you know, every single one of the movies was like its own standalone series that really truly fit on its own, but then finally tied in. I thought it was a great, great well, No, I completely agree. And for those who don't know, John Favreau is the is the main creative mind uh, behind. He's leading the charge on right. it. Be Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. And there's another guy, Dave Filoni, who was fantastic. He did uh, several of the Star Wars animated series. He did Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, so really, really brilliant uh, storyteller there. But the two of them together did a lot of the screenwriting. But John Favreau was the overall creative director for uh, The Mandalorian, both seasons one and two. And John Favreau was also the director of Iron Man 1 and 2, starting off the uh, the... Marvel thematic universe. <laughs> so um, now Shane Black, who did Iron Man 3, a lot of people don't realize who he is. It's because Iron he, Man 3 is awful. I didn't think I read about 1.3 billion. Uh, it made more money than all the worst of movie of the entire Marvel. I won't say it's the worst universe. movie. Okay. But here's what I will say. Shane Black was the first guy who got killed in Predator. No, I want to know. That's him. What, what he was movie like, he in was the Marvel cinematic, un, cinematic universe do you think is worse than Iron Man 3? Um, I liked Iron Man 2. I was surprised Elon Musk was in it. Um, but I... <sighs> What 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 Marvel movie is worse than Iron Man three? Narrow it down. Um, the Hulk, <laughs> the first Hulk. I I feel like the Hulk was better written and went together better no, the, the, than, dude, than Iron Man. The 3. only here's with the first Hulk with Angley did. He said he wanted to make a tragedy. He, he no did. no 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 not the, the Angley Hulk. That's not. Uh, it, the Angley Hulk was terrible. The only part I no, like, I'm talking about the Edward Norton green. Hulk. When he was green and smashing stuff, I'm entertained. Yeah, are you talking about the Edward Norton Hulk? No, the Edward Norton Hulk could have been better. Uh, the abomination it was, it character. Sucked. It sucked. I, I didn't. I won't it say wasn't it great, sucked. but it wasn't as bad as Iron Man three. <laughs> and I will say, my I have more hate for Iron Man three than I would than I think is normal for most people. But that's because I, I when I went and saw it, like I had so I was still in the Navy at that point, I went and I did my, my physical fitness ex exam and my boss at the time, like I did the, the physical fitness exam and my boss like, Hey, go home after I was done. So I'm like, oh, sweet, nice. I've got the rest of the day off. What am I going to do? I'm going to the theater. Well, no. So <laughs> I, I, they had a, a marathon. So the next day was the premiere of Iron Man three. So uh, they had so a marathon playing Iron Man one, Iron Man two, uh, the Avengers. And then at midnight it would, uh, play Iron Man three, so and the, the whole that'd be so much fun. Yeah, the whole marathon was like something like like only fifty bucks or something like that, and you got all of the movies. You got the large popcorn and the large drink that you could go back and Refill. get free refills the entire time oh, watching yeah. all four movies. So yeah, it was it was fantastic. And the, I just the, passed my PT test. I'm drinking all the oh, all yeah. the drinks, all and the popcorn, all, all the, popcorn. the drinks. And this was in a this was the movie theater <laughs> that we went to was in a mall. Yeah. So they had a. Uh, uh, food court on the exact same. Oh, level. so you take so, a break. So you have like a thirty-minute break or something between. And th they movies? had yeah, they had a break between between movies, so you were yeah, able to go, and, to go to the break. bathroom and everything. Dude, right. I want to. Okay, side note, real quick. We've got to do a Matrix marathon before the next Matrix comes out. And we have to do a John Wick marathon before the next John Wick comes out. I am out. all for that. Moving so, back, sorry. So, <laughs> so the thing is, so I had watched Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, The Avengers, like all of these like, right yeah. back to back. So I am so jazzed up for Iron Man 3. <laughs> and then I don't think anybody could say that Iron Man 3 wasn't a disappointment. So being that jazzed up and then going to it and seeing the huge letdown that was Iron Man 3. I think you were let down because of the Mandarin wasn't who he said he was. That was a big part of it. Yeah. But, but I think that... That was a big part of it, but the, the, just... 
the okay. storyline and so many things. Okay. Them taking the shrapnel out of his chest, like why couldn't they do that in the first one? But <laughs> now so, they so can. many, it yeah, so script. many things it's that like were pro just, wrestling wasn't in the script. Okay, so so many the, things that were just problems okay, so there that just, just pissed let's me look off. Look at the, the cutting room floor kill. Have you movie. seen the trailer for Shang Chi? So I am glad that they're actually going to do the Mandarin right. Um, I, honestly, I don't know much about Shang Chi. Like that was I never a, that was never a comic that I was interested dude. in. In, in I, honestly, I didn't even know about it he until was, they announced the movie. He was three years old. His mother Fu Manchu was the a successful what I would call monster. So it's not He's just lived. The, it's not just the mustache. No, it's not the Fu Manchu like you know you have some <laughs> some people have. So, but Fu Manchu has this thing called the elixir of life. That's his main goal. Now, yeah, he's one of those... In the movies, they're not going with Fu Manchu as uh, Shang-Chi's father. They're going with the Mandarin as Shang-Chi's father. That I didn't hear about. Yeah, because they they feel like Fu Manchu would be a little bit too offensive. You're kidding me, right? No, yeah, because he's he came Chinese. with a stereotype, stereotype he's, trope issue. He's Chinese. Okay. Or is he an alien? Well, uh, I don't know. Well, is he purple like Thanos? Everything that I know about... This is, is from YouTube videos that I have watched okay, since they announced So, them. here's the thing. I think we owe YouTube a whole lot of money right now because okay. you've dropped their name like 20 times. Oh, you, no, I'm not giving YouTube a freaking shiny nickel. So, so here's, here's the thing. YouTube. All right, so Fu Manchu had something that made the comics go for a long time. He had an assassin network called the Psy Fan okay. who they used all kind of weapons to go after him, okay? Now, he always had help because you can't possibly take on an army, which is what Fu Manchu had. He was one of those, he had a giant sumo that grinded this old Not man. Not just a sumo, but a giant sumo. Giant sumo, okay, who he grinded this old man's bones to paste. Ugh. Did he make bread out of it? Well, it looked like it. Good, I guess. It looked, it looked like, and it was e terrible. So this is what changed, because originally Shang-Chi was going to be an assassin for his father. And mm -hmm. now he's like, I'm going to be his worst enemy. And I was enthralled, because you got to realize, being a, a child and being the chocolate Q-tip in the 70s, I, I, I had this gigantic afro that I looked like a bush that walked. That's why they call <laughs> him the chocolate Q-tip. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Bruce Lee was like a hero. Him yeah. and the $6 million man. I mean, they were the guys. Yeah. I mean, like, really. And That's I remember the whole reason that the, that comic was started was because Kung Fu was such a major thing. No, you could capitalize it was, on it. Dude, yeah. you don't understand. It was, you know how popular YouTube is? That's how popular Kung Fu was. And David Carradine. Um, <laughs> I love that show still. Kung Fu. The actual TV series they had in the 90s. I absolutely love that show. I, I don't David remember. Carradine? Yeah. No, he. This did was you ever watch that? It was the seventies. You didn't out. get that, did you? No. Oh, that was good stuff. It was basically how can we get into trouble with his son? He had his son always getting in trouble too. But how can we get in trouble and use kung fu to get out of it? It was just it was stupid. It was like a Texas Ranger, Walker meets, Texas. It sounds, yeah, it Walker, sounds Texas like Ranger Karate meets. Kid or Cobra Kai, which you yeah, know, Cobra Kai. Some, that is an awesome show. No, I knew it's as soon not, as you said it. No, as soon as you said it, yes. I saw him spark. Yes, it is. It's like and old I, people making out. It's no, just, it's, I love. It's Cobra like Kai. Iron Man three. I love I love Cobra Kai because it turns the whole like 
the whole classic trope of the, the you've bad got boys. the one good guy and the one yeah. bad guy, and this is all good and this is all bad. It sounds and like there's semen it fighting. It makes the characters so much more complex. It is such a better sequel to the no, Karate it's Kid. Not. Oh my gosh, it's it's, I, it's I, like old people okay, making so out. We have we have two very opposing views right now. <laughs> I'm going to settle the score and say that it started out really good. <laughs> no, I've only seen season one and two because I, I season three came out after it, it uh, started. Netflix started airing Cuties, and I am not yeah. going to support a company that that shows softcore porn. Softcore child porn, so uh, yeah, I, I don't care about softcore porn, but softcore child porn, I'm I'm very very frustrated with, you know, with the with the regular full adult porn, like do what do whatever you want to do. This is America. It's yeah, supposed it's, to be a free country, but child porn is something well, completely just, different. Especially dude, don't uh, sexualize these are teenagers and children, teens, yeah, that are gyrating in front of grown men. And okay, people so want to argue that. Well, just just one one tiny point is that people want to argue that it's. That it's supposed to be about how awful it is to sexualize kids, but the thing is, is that you don't you do it by sexualizing to, kids. Exactly, yeah, you don't do you. it by giving something that the predators, the child predators, are going to watch and completely enjoy. So that's my my soapbox. I'm off of it. Okay, putting it in the corner. So Cobra Kai, dead issue. Netflix killed it. Cobra Kai sucks. <laughs> okay, last subject before we tie it up. This is this is the final question of the day. Ready? It's going to be a tough one because all three of us really have opinions about firearms, right? Oh, yeah. that's that's putting it mildly. <laughs> okay, so... Brace yourself. Yeah. So the last question of the day is favorite firearm, period. Oh, gosh. If you were going... I know, I knew this was going to be tough for you because you, especially Red, has this thing with, like, the history, the understanding. Like, it, there's so many things that he wants to experiment that we don't even have currently, you know, okay. available. For me, for the last... I had a shotgun for probably 30, 35 years. Mm -hmm. okay. But we're not going to talk about what you currently have, okay? Okay. Uh, so but wait, this is this is dream firearm to own. This is this is the firearm today that you would or could own or do own. It doesn't matter. But the firearm, the one that like you only get one for the rest of your life to ever think about. Oh, Keltec KSG. Like you got to live with it. It's it's your forever. Keltec KSG. Okay, let's explain to the people what the KSG is because I love it too. It's a, a Kel -Tec great KSG great shotgun. Is a it's a shotgun. pump shotgun that holds, if I'm correct, 14 to 16 rounds. D depending yeah, it depends on, on the size, if it's two and three quarter right. or if it's three inch. Right. Okay. It won't shoot three and a half. Benelli's about the, one of the few that does that. They're good firearms. Mm -hmm. Very good firearms. But this Caltech KSG. So the, the design just... of this KSG is basically a bullpup design where the action is about as close as you can get to your shoulder. And there's a select fire option, meaning that you can switch between different right. types of ammo and or different you, chambers that you, you know hey i want to that's not a select fire option no that that's why i'm clarifying that's why i'm clarifying okay <laughs> it is a select ammunition option but basically it has two tubes and you can load up to seven rounds per tube yep and then you can select between them so if you wanted to load buckshot birdshot slug you name it tactical buckshot rounds. you know yeah you, you got like the what's you, that flame throwing round i wouldn't shoot it out dragon of dragon fire like yeah, fire but you know if i'm correct they shoot the aguila uh, the short, short yeah you can shoot shot. the shorties out of it or slug yeah. there are so many options when it comes to shotgun rounds well yeah. and that's one of the reasons why it's just I think that's sexy. why that KSG is so cool it's a well, polymer build so it's it's pretty lightweight but you got a full size barrel okay, the only and the actions all the way back in your the shoulder the only weakness I've seen and that's not going to be an issue for me is you can't short stroke it 
Okay, you have to. <laughs> Not gonna be this shit for me. <laughs> so you have to actually do. I mean, you have to pump you, you it have with to... authority. <laughs> Can you slam fire it? Yeah. Well, it depends on how much you're slamming it. Yeah. Well, okay. So no. you either can slam fire it or you can't slam fire. I, I I don't think if you're talking about like what's her name did in uh with the H seventy in Terminator two. Oh, when she does the like yes, okay. I don't know. That's yeah. not slam firing. No, but that's but you can't slam, do that reload that way. Slam firing is like some of the older shotguns where you basically could hold down the trigger and you would just keep pumping it. Oh, okay. And it well, wouldn't. Yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah, not good. Well, here's the thing. I've seen uh, these now when they first came out and they were on nothing fancy. They were they were terrible. No, no, no. But, it, that one shotgun was terrible. Well, they, it was that was. It, but here's the thing: I give Killtech mad credit because yeah. they were did the responsible thing. Says we're going to make our product. Well, better. No, number one in that nothing fancy video is talking about. It was one of the first iterations of the shotgun that they were going to publicly allow out in the field, and they had a they had somebody from KSG who was an affiliate PFI. One dude, of the right? designers. They had him go with him out there to go shoot it. And he's and nothing fancy's going through his kind of routine of trying to destroy the firearm. Not really destroy it, but just put it through his paces. Or just shoot. And and try to say, hey, we're gonna be in a rugged environment, we're gonna try different ammunitions, and we just wanna see how it performs no matter what. And it just it kept falling on his face. And so he did <laughs> it was a, kind of funny. He did a follow-up video. It was, it was almost a year later, eight months, a year later, or something like that. And he went back through the same course with it and it shot beautifully, had yeah. no issues. So I'll give him respect. They 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 know the engineering process and the scientific method. They keep going through iterations, well, I like they keep effort. improving it. Yeah. And absolutely. so Make your gun to where I can use it in a yeah. self-defense situation. That, that KSG is, is, I agree with you, it's almost the all-around weapon for just one person. Need, you need to hunt food. You need to defend your family. You need to conceal it in your vehicle so you can you can travel safely. Whatever your situation others. is that you can dream up, it's it's a pretty good one. There are two nope. others. Nope. That are, you got one. Yeah. Hold on. Nope, you got no, one. You get one. It's That's an honorable it. mention. You get, no, no, you get I'm one. I'm breaking the rules. No, you no. get so, one. You have no, that. shut off his mic. Yeah, he gets I'm, one. I'm, a, 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 Shut off his mic. A Mossberg he gets shockwave and a Benelli supernova as honorable mentions. Okay, so you're a shotgun man. We get it. Yeah, I yep. love shotguns. <laughs> All right, Red. All right. So I'm getting only one firearm. That's it. Okay. So this is not my dream firearm. No, it doesn't have to be your dream. It's, no, it's just I got you. I got practical. you. No, what I'm saying is the, for most practical for me, I would probably say I would do um, a 12-inch AR-15 pistol. And so the reason for that... Any specific brand or any specific unique specific thing about ammo. it? Other I'm than very you. fond of BCM. Okay. Um, I, there are a Bravo lot of other company. great companies I've out there. I've used a BCM upper for years in the past. So, um, I, And I think that... I don't think that BCM offers a 12-inch. I think they do a, an 11-inch. They do it like a 9. Maybe a Springfield. You realize they that's basically their gun. <laughs> The Springfield. Springfield is basically a lot of their parts are on that gun, the Springfield gun. What? Bravo Company, a lot of the parts uh, they generate, that's basically kind of their gun. So wait, you're saying that the BCM makes the parts for the Springfield Saint? Uh, uh, well, not well. The original uh, 300 black pistol that was the yeah the Saint yeah that's that's mostly a lot of their parts um, on uh, that. I know a guy that's got a Saint. I'll, I'm going to take a look at it because I mean it's a it's a beautiful gun. I I personally don't like. I I think there's better options for a pistol than that Saint, but I think it is also like it's a solid weapon. Right. So so Bravo Company makes a good one. Um, Sons of Liberty Gunworks makes a really good one. Yeah. Um, there there are a lot of companies that make very solid AR. I have one um, question. Who makes, in y'all's opinion, 
the the best piston fired AR. That's a whole separate question. Let's do that after we get through all both okay. of our, our our firearms. All right. So, um, I so I would but I would do a DI. Yeah. And the reason the reason why I'm going with this is I, I think there are a lot of better guns for. Um, there are a lot there are a lot of better guns as far as, um, just doing doing uh, doing ARs doing some sort of a uh, a carbine system, but. Well, to be to be clear, the only thing I wanted to clarify from people because like I keep trying to think like who's going to listen to this and what do they know. So a DI gun is a direct impingement system, yes, which means that you have gas in the in the chamber as the bullet's flying out. The gas is chasing it as it's exploding, and that gas goes through a gas block, basically a small little hole in the barrel behind the bullet as it passes, and that gas goes back to the action of the of the rifle. Yeah, it goes the through receiver, a gas tube to the bolt carrier and, and, and it cycles, cycles it. the rifle. And so the fact that the gas is cycling is what we call a direct impingement system. Versus what you know, Grizzly brought up a second ago, which was the piston system. And the piston, basically, the gas just moves the piston instead of shooting all the way down the tube and having all the gas enter the chamber. And the piston moves the bolt carrier. Yeah. So two different styles of systems, but and, you and prefer the, AR, the DI. Well, I, I prefer I, the DI. I'm not saying that I prefer the DI. I'm saying that the, the AR is designed as a DI system. And if this is the only gun that I get for the rest of my life, then I'm going to go with a system that I have. I'm, I have part availability. Sure. Easy, easy to swap out parts. And because the AR was designed as a DI system, that's going to be the, the most parts that I could find in order to change it out because parts wear out. They do. And, you know, so anyway, um, so I would go with the, the 12 inch variant because 12 inch is really um, versatile. Well, it's not just versatile. That's, that's going to give me the best uh, powder burn for, for my rounds that I'm using. So I'm going to get the most effective use out of my rounds, but I'm also going to be able to maneuver it indoors if I have to um, for, for well, home to get a little more situation. specific instead of like, you know, the shotgun, it's really more of like ammunition selection. Cause you're talking about a smooth bore. Well, yeah. And you can possibly choke it. But when we're talking about uh, like an AR pistol, a 12 inch barrel length, there's a lot of things that factor in number one, the bullet weight. So what bullet weight are you interested in with a 12 inch? Well, the thing is I can use, Using that AR, I can use any bullet weight that I want. Sure, but if you're going to walk with something, what, what are you walking with? 55 grain, 62 grain? You know, like what what range are you looking at for for like this is what I'm going to use as the round to get well, the most out of that platform? So what round would you use? The two two three or five five six or the? I think definitely five five six just because of the the you know ballistics profile. Well, so I, I'd have it chambered in five five six because yeah. five five six I can use five five six or two two three. I wouldn't do three hundred blackout because again, like if, if this is the only gun that I've got, then the availability of five five six or 223 is way better yeah. than the availability of 300 blackout. And Are you concerned at all with the grain of the bullet? Not really. I mean, use whatever you want to. I mean, I, the thing I, is, well, the reason I bring it up is because like the next question is going to be like your barrel twist rate, you know, because like a lot of people say like you don't even need to think about accuracy when you're running a 12 inch barrel. I disagree. I, I think there's still I think something accuracy to is always on the no table. absolutely yeah. use accuracy. But if I if I go with I'd probably do a one. Uh, one to eight, and so that for for those of you that don't know, that means that every one uh, every eight inches of the barrel length, you get one full turn of the rifling of the barrel, um, and so the one by eight typically you either have a one by seven or a one by nine, and so a one by nine is usually heavier weighted bullets, a one by seven is lighter weighted bullets, a one by eight gives you a pretty a, yeah. it gives you a pretty good uh, use out of out of any yeah. any weight bullet. It is not going to be the best. It is it is a middle ground kind of thing, so. Um, and th there's a lot more debate that goes further into that than I'm not going to go, but, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I, and I would do the pistol variant because rather, so I have a brace on there rather than doing a short barreled rifle. 
because then I can cross state lines. There's a lot more things that I can do. And I'm arguing about whether a short barreled rifle should be uh, regulated by the NFA is a whole different thing. But I, I would go with the pistol variant um, because, again, like you said, this is for everything. I get one gun for everything. So this is my my defensive gun for around the home, something that I can try to carry around with me. I can tr- put a I'd probably put it like a law folder adapter on there yeah. so that I could put it in a backpack so carry law, it around with me. The law folder adapter essentially on most AR platforms there's you have an ex, you have a buffer tube or a receiver on, extension depending upon. Well, but the buffer tube is usually where you have an adjustable stock where it slides back and forth and it gives you the ability to change your length of pull, meaning how far away the trigger and the gun itself is from your shoulder. So you can go back and forth with that. What this does the law folder basically captures the spring and the buffer and allows you to swivel and pivot that whole entire buffer assembly and collapse the gun into a shorter length. Now, it's not usable at that point because it won't cycle. You can fire one round. Exactly, but it won't cycle, so it's not like it's in, in its standard form. But it is. it does make it more concealable. So if you needed, to, if you were backpacking and you wanted some security while you're sitting at camp, it makes a lot of sense to have something like that so we can really keep it concealed. Yeah, and you have compact. to take it out. You have to unfold it, and then right. you can use it like you would a traditional rifle. Yeah, if you're not carrying it with a round of the chamber, you're not going to be able to fire it period no. so it's, no you know you got to unfold it too. but I, I like that idea that's kind of you know a lot of the a lot of the same thing same things i would be looking for especially in like a pistol variant now uh, i will i will say you said about the 223 the unique thing about the 300 black it's a kind of a, a mixture it's or a fusion hybrid. of a 30 caliber bullet with a 223 brass now if i'm correct the only negative is that the brass once you neck it up then you can't use it's it neck again. down technically and that's why you can't use it again because it'll take and you actually use a 556 brass from what i understand well, you, can, you can but you can reload you can 300, reload 300 yeah. black but you can't it. use it again for for a 556 no you can't what he's saying but the idea is, is like basically what you're doing is you're you're expanding the chambering neck so that it'll fit that you know it'll fit that bullet, bullet at, but you're also shaving it down the overall length because the you know 30 caliber bullet is a longer length you know actual round but the, here's the thing five, five, six, whoever bullet. created this it was it genius why because a 30 caliber round is effective at stopping people there is no gray area yeah. uh, snipers have used uh, uh, 30 caliber rounds for decades yeah and it's effective the thing that's unique about the 300 black and the one i, I just love about it is accuracy control and you're gonna find 30 caliber and you're gonna find 223 bass everywhere yeah well but the thing is is you'd have to you have to do the work into turning those individual bullets and that individual brass into I, an effective round. Okay, so I don't think I'll have that problem. Um, well, I may be retiring soon, so <laughs> I'll have all that spare time. Yeah, finding right, primers but, is going to be your issue right now. Yeah. <laughs> the ammunition is just ridiculous right now. But mm-hmm. so, like, you know, I was thinking about kind of the, like, I really like your shotgun approach, Grizzly, because that's, that's, I mean, you you definitely grew up with that mindset, and I and I like it. Now, from my training, I would I was almost going to say a pistol, like straight up like a, like a 9 millimeter pistol because it's just the versatility. If I needed to hunt with it, I could, but really as a defensive weapon, but I can carry it all the time versus a rifle it's hard to carry all the time but if you really would pin me down and say i get one build one rifle period that i get to carry one firearm one firearm that firearm in particular to me i think it just has to be an ar platform 
just for versatility purposes. Now, what I would, and, I would do is one and of replacement those, parts and replacement parts. Yep. You do realize uh, <clears throat> that the, one of the things that's good about an AR platform, you can get anything from a 50 caliber Beowulf, right? 458 SOCOM, 450 Bushmaster, 300 Black, 22 long rifle, or, or, or there's so many things you could do besides having nine millimeter. And you, all you have to do is, is change the, uh, the, upper. the barrel and the barrel and the bolt. Yeah. Well, the barrel, you, you, uh, the, you have to change the barrel with a 300 black. You can use everything else. Mm -hmm. But with the other ones, you have to use a different upper, but still. No, you, you have to use a different bolt. There are some that you have to use a, com a different. I think the 50 Beowulf is big enough that you have to use a completely different upper receiver. You, well, yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that because okay, I haven't messed I around am. with 50 The Beowulf. 450 uh, Bushmaster, the 458 SOCOM, and right. the 50 caliber Beowulf have to have a different bolt. Well, completely bolt, different bolt, yeah. yes we're, we're, well, talking, we're about talking about the upper the upper, upper. Well, you, you have to do it differently it has to have you can't do the the same it doesn't have the same feed no okay so so if i was going to do it i would probably go five five six just because of versatility um but then like if if we we're kind of being giving a little leeway i'd have a quick change barrel system where you literally do like you know the quarter turn barrel change, and then that way I could run multiple caliber because I would legitimately okay. in a survival situation I'd want to be able to shoot twenty two long rifle use like a CMMG conversion kit because it's super light. It's literally just you swap a bolt out, and you know the bolt carrier group it, it's all you know built in one system. You have one extra mag of twenty two long rifle. You can shoot small game. Then you go to your five five six. You can go to war whatever. And I would stick to pro like personally it, I, I I like a fourteen inch barrel. I don't okay. need super shortness and I don't need a whole lot of length. Like I think it's we're gonna have to nail perfect. you down. You didn't say what build or what company you would want to buy your AR from. Right, you, you, you didn't did. Either. You were specific about KSG. So, so we'll, we'll give well, no, said, Why don't we I, hear? I said from I would probably lean towards BCM because that's what okay. I'm familiar so with. What, but what, there are a lot of other great companies out there that, like, honestly, if. <laughs> I would like to try Sons of Liberty Gunworks because I've heard a lot of really good things. That's true. Um, uh, yeah, if I'm, I'm going strictly with with DI here because there are other, like I, I love primary weapon systems, but that's that's a long stroke piston system, which is is awesome for what it is. But again, I'm talking about interchangeability it's the same of parts. Is the AK-47? It's a long stroke, right? And yeah. It's magnificent. Okay, so what to, it, to nail me down? Like I, I think there's something I, I know that uh, like. To use nothing fancy terms, size and weight constraint are always a big deal. But if this is the one that's got to carry me forever, I got to have like the most durable from personal just preference today. Because in the future, I think it'll change. But I'll probably get myself a black rain ordnance upper and lower, and then I would build out that rifle the way that I want, so that I know that I've got a machined CNC machined billet aluminum, you know, you know, build. And then from there, everything else is component. It's component based. So, are you running a good bolt carrier group? Are you running a good bolt? Are you running good, you know, like trigger, you know, drop in trigger? You can do whatever. Okay, I have a question. You know, what makes Black Rain so superior? I don't see to me it's not necessarily superiority it's more build quality finish fit and finish that's superiority and then the when i think superiority i think like this gun versus that gun it's going to win every day like i don't think that's the thing with quality it makes you a better gun what the reason i choose a black rain like i said is number one you got a billet block that's being turned into a a rifle and it's being done in, in close to home it's being done is is it's something that i can go physically touch in the shop where it was made you know Ooh. and i can meet the owners and that kind of thing where we, like springfield like say you wanted to buy springfield you're not going to be able to just go shake the hands of the owners right 
Like you, you walk into Black Rain Ordinance's facility, and you can shake the hand of the owner. He literally comes out and, and talks to you. You know, so there, there's like okay, a whole different level of like this is a custom built, you know, rifle. This is a custom situation, but you're also you know, like, you know, they they care about the customer service. You got lifetime warranty, all those things. So it's just kind of like it's peace of mind of I know where it comes from. I know it's quality. I know it's coming from somewhere where I could go to. I could I could make that really long drive to if I needed to to get parts for it. Do but, you think that your gun uh, that that a gun by black rain would ever wear out i don't know i'd, I'd love to put one through about you know eight thousand <laughs> rounds no, anything can wear out sure it's good well you're gonna have component wear outs but i i don't i i've never seen anything review wise that i've watched that's ever shown one that's like you know cracking a, a receiver or i've never anything like heard that. Like they can, a bad they can take some abuse about black rain yeah Ever and, and I'm not saying they're the end all be all. By all means, somebody's going to have you know a better option out there, more specific to a purpose maybe. But just for me, if I was just going to build one and say I'm going to turn this into like my my one time for the rest of my life firearm, that that'd be the one. Well, and when I say BCM, I say like overall the majority of the parts BCM because there are different things that I would change out that I would add um, or substitute because I like other parts better, um, but. No, I, the thing is, you, you talked about billet, and <laughs> I could go in, into a while about uh, different metallurgy. I prefer forged, um, mm -hmm. and forged is just objectively is a little bit stronger. Um, you can't, you get tighter tolerances with, with a billet receiver. Right. And in all honesty, the, the difference in strength between a forged and a billet is something that the vast majority of the people are not going to see. They're, they're not going to notice anything. And it's it's something that's going to come out after continuous hardware. Mm -hmm. So, but and there, are, there are things that you can do with billet as far as like making um, small changes, making, um, adding things to it, uh, making it more stylized that is more difficult to do with forged. Like you have some companies like uh, Primary Weapon Systems that they do specialized, they've custom made their uh, forging dies right. in order to to special make um, their their forged receivers. Like in the a Diablo. Way. Well, Black Rain has two series. They have a forged and they have a CNC, you know, block series like so you, you have the choice when you go in they have the fallout oh, yeah. and then the uh, i think it's the fallout is the is the um cnc uh billet and then they've got another series that's the that's their forged yeah and, and most people most of the forgings come from just a couple of different companies and then there are certain companies like like uh primary weapon systems aero precision uh there are a few others that have specially made their own uh forging dies that they use to uh to make their own unique forged uh receivers doesn't mm -hmm. black rain do everything in-house they do yeah they have everything in-house they, they I literally trust that system a lot better they, Why? they build their own barrels quality control is very well maintained well they, they literally they i mean they have a indoor firing range at their production facility and they shoot their, like everything goes from literally raw metal to firing bolts, verifying it's working all within the same facility. And it's not that big of a facility. It was pretty cool to tour. But like every time I tried to go to any other big manufacturers, you know, you try to go by, a, you know, near a clock manufacturer, you're not getting to see anything that happens. Black Rain will take you to the back and show you the CNCs. They'll take you through an entire shop tour. They have, that right there like, means a lot to me. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's very. Like I said, it's more. 
more of a relationship based choice that I'm making on that, based off of like, hey, I met the I owner face to face and shook his hand, and he dealt with you know stuff dealing with my prior you know law enforcement career. He was like, you know, these are companies that really are trying to. These are small. Make a difference. They're small companies, but they're making a huge difference, and they actually care about like the people that are okay. buying their firearms. The one thing I can say about a gun, and we're almost done, is. Quality is something not only that you can see, but you can feel. Right. And, and that's why, like, you know, when I picked up one in their showroom, I was just like, oh, this is my dream rifle. Like, no matter which platform, you know, they got AR-10s, AR-15s. Um, but, you know, like, they got pistol sizes, rifle sizes, you know, precision, long-range stuff. But just the fit and finish and the way that it feels, they have custom paint jobs that are just ridiculously cool. You know, it's just all that stuff. And, and, yeah, they're a little bit on the premium side, but there's just something, you know, like I said. It's but you never have to buy another one. And no, that's I don't think I would ever. Point. Yeah, if I bought one of theirs, I don't think I could ever have to worry about replacing it, right? Like there, there'd be no reason to replace one of those. Yeah, you know, I've I've shot many like I M&P 15X, right? Smith and Wesson M&P 15X, great little sportster rifle. It's a good little like entry into firearms ownership, AR platforms, and right. you customize the crud out of it. And it's, it's a cheap firearm. Like it, you know, I think currently they're still listed under nine hundred dollars for one. So I mean, that's it's a great way to get into it. But then again, that's not like you you hold an M&P. 15 and you hold you know any custom gun you know even bcms like the, there's definitely a difference between this low grade get out the door get a gun in your so, hands and and a little bit more care in in the quality and manufacturing red and i saw some corvettes as we are and they of course sped right past us okay <sighs> I love, the difference I love between i think a very good quality ar mm -hmm. is like a difference between let's say a nissan altima yeah. Verse, which is good, very good uh, car. Great gas mileage. But versus, yeah, <laughs> exceptional gas mileage versus a Corvette, which is terrible gas mileage. But that cool factor never goes away. Well, you're also dealing with something that has two completely different purposes. If right. I'm, I'm not buying. Firearms are just like that too, though. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I'm again, like, I'm not buying a Nissan. It's on Ultima with the same intent that I'm buying uh, a Corvette. Sure, yeah. you are. <laughs> to drive. <laughs> but, okay. But one's I've flex gotta, and the other one's I got to go to work. The other one is, hey, I'm rich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'll drive a Corvette and I'll take a Black Rain any day. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, thank you so much for your time. appreciate you uh, coming out, spending some, uh, some time with us. Peace, love, and much happiness. Grizzly, we want you to drive safe today. Red, we want you to drive safe today. Appreciate you coming to spend some time with us. Absolutely. All right, fellas. Peace out. Peace out.